Welcome to the Hallisey and Horn podcast, hosted by Matt Hallisey and Al Horn. This is the only entrepreneurial podcast that helps you take the most important step to finally achieving financial and personal freedom. What is that step? Well, it's the very next step you need to take. It doesn't matter whether you've started a business but aren't profitable, or you've only just now thought about starting a business for the first time. You can design your new life in just a short period of time. We both started multiple profitable businesses, and we're here to help you move closer to your goal of living the life that you've been dreaming of. The crazy thing is you don't need to be especially talented, experienced, smart, or even lucky to make this happen. You just have to take the first step that's in front of you. So grab a drink and join us while we discuss our own journeys from working for other people as employees to living our dream lifestyle as business owners. We share our successes, our failures, and the simple formula we've discovered to go from starting from nothing to having our own profitable business in just a short period of time. We're here to help you move closer to your goal of living the life that you've been dreaming of, but we're always scared to go after. Welcome to the Hallisey and Horn podcast. I watched a movie on Amazon Prime about 1970 when the Grateful Dead and uh, a few other uh, musicians, including Buddy Guy and, uh, and Janis Joplin, <clears throat> all took a train from one side of Canada to the other side of Canada, stopping at what you would call fairly major cities in Canada in 1970. In Canada in 1970? So I got into the Wayback Machine, right? And this was so cool because here, here's what the, uh, the, the, uh, the promoter basically said, is we're going to put you on this train with unlimited booze, gourmet food. You're going to have your own train car. You're going to have your own sleeping area. And you're just going to go from one, one town in Canada to the next, do a concert, get back on the train. The whole thing was basically these musicians... God, of course, the Grateful Dead was on board, so God knows what else they were doing, okay? I mean, let's just say booze was involved, but there may have been other substances involved. And uh, having fun, jamming, and going from one city to the next. Now, here's the point I'm getting to. It was probably the most awesome thing that they could have ever done because they got to hang out with their fellow musicians, famous fellow musicians, famous expert fellow musicians. Everything was paid for. Everything was easy peasy, you know, coming into town, staying in a cheap motel and leaving by bus again. At the time they were famous, but they weren't too famous. And when they arrived, for some reason, the Canadians felt that $15 for a ticket was too much. It was radical, capitalistic, uh, corporate taking advantage. So they insisted and started rioting that the, everybody be allowed in free. <laughs> so now you've got the promoters, you've got the people that have bought tickets and you've got the people that want to get in free and you have the police. What a wonderful combination. Yeah. That's you watch everything, right. everything come together. <laughs> so Here's my point. Here's my point. It was it was amazing. It was amazing that somebody filmed it. 
including what was going on between the musicians and stuff inside the train. Uh, it was amazing. It was, it was, it was uh, certainly uh, something that should have been captured historically. Wow, that was weird, Matt. You literally went into another dimension there. Uh, your Again. head disappeared. You, tur you turned around. You stepped off a balcony. I, I don't know what you're doing over there, but listen, I went back and drop acid this early in the morning. Okay. So anyway, here's my point. And it's leading to, it's actually leading to our, our topic today and, and what we're going to be talking about in our podcast. Okay. Yep. Here's the deal. It was amazing. They, they had the right people. They, they, they put on a great show, but it lost money. The promoters lost money. Okay. Because they, too many people wouldn't buy tickets. Are you still there? <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Oh, here. It's like whack-a-mole. Anyway, um, two people, I mean two people, <laughs> the people wouldn't buy tickets because they thought they could get in free. When they got there, there was police on horseback. And just imagine Grateful Dead, Janis Joplin, Buddy Guy, uh, the Bur Flying Burrito Brothers, you know, just it was like Woodstock on the on, on the rails, okay? But it didn't make money. And by the way, Woodstock didn't make money either. And how does that have to do with what we're talking today about on our podcast? What we're talking about is you've got a viable idea. This was a viable idea. Put these famous people on a train, give them unlimited booze and food and everything they want, let them hang out together and just go from city to city in Canada and give the people what they want at $15 a ticket, which might've been outrageous in 1970, I don't know. I'd have to do the math, you're more of a numbers guy than me. But let me ask you this, if it's great and it's viable and it doesn't make money, what then? You know, and this is where a lot of entrepreneurs are that are listening to this podcast. This is their situation. I've got what I know is a viable idea, or at least I'm in love with it. I want to marry it, have children with it, you know. Um, but it, I think up to now I've done some testing. I've, I've asked my best friends who would tell me that, you know, dirt clods are fun to eat if i asked them you know i said i'm in i love dirt clods what do you think their friends would say oh yeah dirt clods great um but let me let's say they've maybe tested it with people who aren't their best friends and drinking buddies okay and it all looks good all oh, looks good all right the idea sounds good uh they're starting to think wow i'm maybe going to be able to disrupt an industry or they're thinking may maybe i'm going to be able to make a living who knows what's going on in their mind so they've got this business idea they believe in it they see a need for it it's they they believe it's viable then what next where do they go from there and that's what we're here to talk about and that's what we're here to uh provide some, if not some words of wisdom, at least some good questions for them to ask. And uh, so they can see if this thing has legs. I, I had a friend who said, I said, hey, what about that business you started? He goes, oh, it didn't have legs. Oh, well, 
what about a wheelchair? You know, <laughs> Did, could you put it in a wheelchair and just maybe roll it down the street? I don't know. So I would say if, if Lieutenant and if Lieutenant Dan can start Bubba Gum Shrimp without legs, then. But here's the point: Bubba Gum Shrimp became big. It became it. It made money. You know, right. and look who's running it: Forrest Gump. If Forrest Gump can take a small, <laughs> a small boat that's a shrimping boat and turn it into a giant corporation, the Bubba Gump Shrimp Corporation, and make a fortune. What about some guy who just got his MBA from Harvard? Does he have a chance? Does he even have a chance? <laughs> is what I'm saying. If, you know, if Forrest can do it, maybe an MBA from Harvard can do it. I don't know. What do you think, Matt? I, I think to quote Forrest, shrimping's hard <laughs> it is and remember they were they were they were failures up until the point when that big storm came in right yeah all the other shrimping boats <clears throat> were taken off the table so they were the only shrimping boat left for some reason okay maybe it was god's will probability maybe the universe smiled on them whatever they were the only shrimping boat left. So they were shrimping like there was no shrimping going, you know, could you couldn't believe what they were shrimping. And and but that's my point is this. They could have gone out and caught all the shrimp they could possibly catch. Even with one guy being mentally challenged and the other guy being PTSD with no legs. Okay. <laughs> they still they still could have gone out and ca caught all that shrimp, but that doesn't create the Bubba Gump Shrimp Corporation. In other words, there's no vertical. They're not canning it. They're just catching shrimp. They're not a corporation. They don't have distribution. They don't have a logo. They don't have a business plan. They don't uh, have a, 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 they don't, they're not known by any. How do you get shelf space in the grocery stores? Who's Who's pimping? They're shrimping, is what I'm saying. You know, so if if you if you get to the point where you think, "Wow, I've got all these people. They want to buy my stuff. They want to buy my service." I put a little Facebook ad out there. I started talking to people. I did some SEO. I got my website up. People want my stuff. Well, where do you go from there? Can you handle it? And how do you get to the next level? In other words. Is it viable? Fine. But is it scalable? And is it sustainable? And is it going to make a profit? Not even talking about what is your business structure? Are you a C corporation? Are you an LLC? Do you have, vest do you have uh, people that have invested? Do you have shareholders? Are you looking to disrupt an industry? Or are you just sell, looking to sell some pizzas? I mean, you know, or are you a coach and you just need five or six clients a month to, to, to pay your rent? Or are you going wanting to be the next Uber, if that's a good thing or not? Okay, let's just say that. And if you do get to that point, it's viable, it's scalable, it's sustainable, you have the right structure, you have the like right resources. You have all those things in place. What stop? What prevents some corp 
some competitor, and let's just say it's a big corporation or it's some company out of China making widgets or it's Amazon, because Amazon will take over your business for you if you let them and put you out of business and just take it over. Everybody knows that. What prevents you from being in a situation where you've created something great that somebody else is just going to come along and eat your lunch? What do you think, Matt? Well, I think I think there's a lot of questions, and and there's probably some people that are sitting here thinking, "Well, dude, that's too much. Like, I've that's I, that's more than I can handle. I can't answer <laughs> a third of those questions, much less figuring all of it out." Mm. <clears throat> and the good news is you don't have to answer it. But this is just kind of you know, if we were going to, if we were going to ask the questions of what do people have to deal with in their first couple years, there's probably a good list of questions you have there. Mm. But I think initially it's like, <clears throat> you know, we talked before and you alluded to this, well, you know, you're sitting here trying to come up with an idea and you're, you may ask your friends or you're just, you know, kind of not daydreaming, but just perusing all day and just trying to you know, think what might be a good business idea. And finally it sticks and you're like, wow, this one I really want to do. Maybe it's making pizzas. Maybe it's, I want to challenge Bubba Gump to a shrimping contest. Who knows? Um, shrimping's hard. Uh, but anyway, it's, but now it gets to a point where you actually have to, instead of being the visionary, now you actually have to be the like the CEO in a sense, or the business manager, you actually have to put on your business hat and you actually have to start answering questions that you've never had to ask before. Like to mm-hmm. date, you're asking, oh, what can I really help out with? What do I love talking about? What is, you know, what do I love doing? What if I, if I had a, a billion dollars, what would I just do for fun? You know, those are all great things. <clears throat> but now it's like, all right, now that I have this idea, how do I actually turn it from non-existence into a successful, profitable business? And that's a much tougher question. Um, I think think one of the things that you want to look at even before you get to that, I think there's some questions you have to answer there. So number one is you have a business idea. Well, you have to come up with a name, right? So like, what's the name of your business? What's the name that people are immediately going to want to do business with you? So for example, Mm. let's say that you're just selling pizzas, right? Well, if you're, if you're an Irish guy, you're not going to have O'Callaghan's pizza. Like that's just not going to happen. Nobody's going to buy pizza from you. I would. Any any more than you're going to say like um, (laughs) Antonelli's Chinese food. Like that's just not going to work either. It could. Uh, It could. And and yeah, probably won't. Um, But you want to be able to do that. And it's, and you know, it's, um, but you want to have a name. So if you're going to have a, a pizza place, it's like, all right, well, maybe it's named after your family and you're Italian. That's great. But maybe you're not. And maybe you just call it, you just love Italy. And so you could put like, you know, have a name that's in Italian that sounds great, like Nueva Pizza or whatever it is. It could be anything. But you have to come up with a name that people are going to come up, you know, that people are going to immediately identify. That's what I want to, um, that's what I want to buy from. And so like here in San Diego, it's kind of interesting because we don't really have a lot of like authentic New York pizza, but there's one place, well, there's probably a few, but there's one, one place where they get right to the point. And I'm sure this is where they're from, but it's called Bronx pizza. I mean, I've sure you've it. seen it. Yeah. Yeah. In, in yeah, so hear, yeah. So you hear the name of that and it's like, all right, well, these guys aren't messing around. <laughs> 
Like, I don't know if that's not true. Maybe there were a bunch of hippies that were smoking weed in the van. They just got out and they thought it would be a cool thing to do. No. But like the standard is if you call yourself Bronx pizza and you're not making New York type pizza, then nobody's going to ever come back. Like, you're, you know, right. you have a very short shelf life. But the idea is that you're going to immediately earn, you're going to get people's attention and be like, all right, this is something I want to consider. And, you know, maybe people don't like New York pizza. Maybe they're from Chicago then mm. all right well fair enough well they're not going to buy your pizza anyway but you know the people that want a good pizza are going to really consider you um <clears throat> you know so anyway but, but coming up with the name is really important and so having an idea of like what you do and so one of the one of my friends has this um has this business where he teaches people how to be an effective public speaker and he had one of the greatest the best names of a business i've heard because it really just got right to the point it hit the problem and addressed the problem in its name. It was called unlock your confidence. And it was, it's not like, you know, Hey, so-and-so public speaking or become a better public speaker. It's not addressing, you know, Hey, this is what you want to do, but it's really hitting on the main problem is when people aren't good public speakers, usually they're suffering from a lack of confidence because it's tough to do. I mean, public speaking is hard. So, but it was one of these things where it's like, all right, well, I'm going to learn to be a better public speaker, but at the same time, I'm going to solve the bigger, more pressing problem, you know, that's kind of boiling underneath the surface anyway. So coming up with the name's important. Um, I think from there, and this is just something that somebody taught me a while back, and I, I thought it was really important. It's just, you really don't want to waste your time coming up with an idea. And then finding out later, you can't put it on social media because 17 people already have that name. Mm-hmm. So like if you have, let's say Bronx pizza and you're opening up in the Bronx, well, that's probably not the best name <laughs> for a pizza place because <laughs> there's probably 17 people. You open Yelp and everything in there is Bronx pizza or something like that. Just so, add your first name to it. Luigi's well, no, Bronx pizza. Come fair on. enough. Fair, it's like here in San Diego. It's like one of the th- first things I learned was if you want to open up a Mexican restaurant, you have to put the word Bertos at the end of your name. Because that's Mex- that's, that's the indigenous Mexican native word for food with beans and cheese in it. Exactly, burritos. It means burrito, right? <laughs> burritos. It, there's no. They don't even eat burritos in 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 Mexico. They don't know what a burrito is. If you go to Mex, if you go to right. Mexico, they you say, "Give me a burrito." They look at it, what you want a burro. Burros are down the corner or at the corner. You know, right? They can give rent you a burro. No, yeah, no, that's little, not what I want. It's a little baby burrito. Baby burro. <laughs> it's a little. It's like it's a, a pony. small baby burro. <laughs> it's a pony donkey. It's a donkey. They'll pony. look at you like crazy, crazy American. <laughs> Crazy American, local in cabeza. Yeah, local in cabeza. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's like if you have your name Bertos, everybody yeah. here, you drive past an Adalbertos, a Gilbertos, a Robertos, you immediately know that the food's going to be good. Like that's just, the, you know. Well, you know it's going to involve bean, cheese, and tortillas. You don't know if it's going to be good. Oh, that's, I've never had a bear toes that I haven't liked. So okay, maybe somebody's going to ruin that for me someday. But all right, well, let's um, go to Yelp and find out. Yeah, at some but you point, wanna, at some point, but, we'll do that. But you want to have something that addresses, you know, the name. So if you're, you know, if you're, if your client base is planning and just to be in one small area, let's say that you're only, um, let's say that you're selling, you're out in Poway or whatever, and you're only working with people in Poway for whatever reason, then you want to, like, let's say you have an auto garage, like a collision place or, mm. you know, or a oil. Bricks and place. mortar, bricks and mortar. 
Yeah, then you would call it like Poway oil change or Poway's best oil change or something like that. And so immediately it's like, all right, you know, you're kind of, you know, that's kind of a low bar to where you want to have, but you want to come up with a name that people immediately, you know, get a sense on, you know, kind of what you do and what problem you solve. But from there, it's like, you have to make sure that you, you have the ability to um, put it online and not be running into problems where well. you're kind of pointing people at other, like, for, like you're pointing your, the web, the name you have might be claimed by somebody. It might be somebody completely different than what you do, mm. but if they have a prominent enough footprint online, yeah. then all your advertising and all your, let's say your word of mouth is going to be pointing at the wrong place. And so right. <clears throat> the guy, and it was interesting because the guy who was telling me this, he was, he ran this business. It was called, um, called the elevation group. And this was about, I don't know, a little more than 10 years ago. Mm. And the idea was, you know, after the great recession and basically his parents lost everything, um, you know, really he wanted to make sure that never happened to him again. So he actually had started up a, you know, he had a, a successful business at the time, but he didn't know how to, he was terrible with money. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to figure out like, it's like, how, you know, how do I make sure that I'm, you know, don't blow my money. You know, I can make a ton of money, but I can blow that money just as fast. <laughs> and so he ended up working with people who like kind of who advised a lot of very rich and very wealthy people. And he realized that the advice he was getting on how to spend his money was not the retail advice that most people see out there on how to manage your money. <clears throat> and so he's like, well, I want to, you know, I want to teach people who kind of have the same problem with me where it's like, I want to learn, you know, I really want to learn how the wealthy people manage their money and build their money. And so we started a business. And so he actually had a name for it, but the person who had that web address Mm -hmm. had a Mm -hmm. huge internet footprint. And so, you know, he could put the in front of it, or he could put a, a descriptor on the end of it. But realistically, if somebody Googled that name, it's going to show this other business that has nothing to do with what he does. They don't, they don't solve the same problem. They don't have the same target market. Mm. And so, so it's confusion. That- what you're saying is <clears throat> if you're going to, if you're going to create a name, make sure it's a name that really describes what your business does or something unique about your business that appeals to the consumer and make sure you're not going to get, get sued for, for stealing somebody else's name. And make sure there isn't any confusion in the marketplace so that you're either confusing uh, the consumer or you're building somebody else's business because the more you would advertise and promote your business, the more they think you're advertising and promoting something else. And I'll give you an example. I knew a guy who, who was an engineer. I think he was from Iran. Really nice, nice guy. And he uh, owned the house next to mine at one point before he had to give it back to the bank, but that's another story. Um, he, he, he bought a business in Pacific Beach called Luigi's Pizza. Well, Luigi's, and it was a pizza place. And I mean, it had the best p- friggin' pizza you can imagine, it was so good. He had yeah, Mexican guys making the pizza and it was just fantastic. But uh, there was another Luigi. So he had the change. He changed, decided he would change his name and call it Luigi's at the beach. Okay. So he kept Luigi's, but he let people know where it was located. There was only one location, even if they delivered still one location. So it was Luigi's at the beach. And uh, so that's a good example. Now, if I could just 
I know you're on a roll. You were on a roll there, but I just want to respond to your, your, your what you said about the guy who said, uh, "Unlock your confidence." Okay. Yes, public speaking is scary. Um, it's there's two things that people are afraid of most. Public speaking is one, which is the most feared thing, and number two is death. So people would rather be in the coffin than be at the funeral talking about the person that's in the coffin. <laughs> that's just yeah. a joke, but anyway. Yeah, Jerry Seinfeld put it, he said he'd rather be in the coffin than giving the eulogy. That's right. Well, it's essentially what I said, but I'm not as good as Jerry Seinfeld in the way I said it. But here's my point. Unlocking your confidence, I think is a terrible name for a business. And I'll tell you why, because he's a sole proprietor. Everything depends on him. Everything depends on his knowledge and his persona. He's not running a corporation. And Unlock Your Confidence is a great tagline, but it's not a good name for a business. If his name was Sam Smith, it should have been Sam Smith public speaking something or other, okay? Because it's got to emphasize him because he's the most important person. If he steps out of the picture for five seconds, there is no business, okay? So calling it Unlock Your Confidence, in my opinion, is, is not a good name. It doesn't sound like a business. It just sounds like a statement. So whatever he wanted to call the business, I don't care if he called it Sam Smith Enterprises. It doesn't matter. Because as soon as people see Sam Smith Enterprises, they're going to think Sam Smith, or whatever his name was, okay? Um, and if you can tell me his name, you're going to prove my point. If you, can't, if you can't tell me his name, you're going to prove my point. Either way, you're going to prove my point. But the, what I'm saying is this. <laughs> That's not a that's not that's a good tagline. Unlock your confidence, okay? Because it states what he's basically focusing on. All right. Whether it's public speaking or whether it's whatever the person wants to do, they have to unlock their confidence. Whatever it is. They want to learn how to pay ping pong, they have to unlock their confidence. Okay. So that's not a good name. And it's not going to be something that he can eventually turn into an LLC because. They're going to go, unlock your confidence. What is that? Unlock your confidence, Inc. LLC. What, what, what is that? Okay, maybe. It's going to be difficult to, it's going to be difficult to trademark is what I'm saying. So I don't think that's the best name for a business. It's the best name to describe as a tagline for his business, but not the same as his business. Now, Bronx Pizza, <clears throat> just to go back to that for a second. If you look at it, <clears throat> for some reason, there's a pair of boxing gloves there in the logo. Um, because the guy is from the Bronx. The guy's from New York. He's from the Bronx. So he makes pizza like pizzas was made in the Bronx. And if you like Bronx pizza, which I don't particularly think is great. Some people, a lot of people do though. I, if I hear any kind of word of mouth about pizza, that name usually comes up and people love it, but it's a different kind of pizza. I'm more of a Chicago style guy myself. So you can't be all things to all people. You got to have a laser focus on who your uh, who's your best client, who's your who's your optimal customer, and how does what you provide address their pain points and or their desires or and or their fantasies or whatever? Why are they going to buy what you have to offer? Why are they going to trade uh, trade their hard-earned money or time? for what you have to offer. Um, and are they gonna be happy with it? If somebody goes into Bronx pizza expecting a Chicago style pizza, they're not gonna be happy. 
So you got to let people know when they step in the door, they call on the phone or they order it off the internet. This is the kind of pizza you're going to get. You're going to get a thin pizza. You're going to get this, these kinds of toppings, probably no pineapple. <laughs> I don't think they allow pineapple to be put on pizzas in the Bronx. I think it's actually against the law. So you got to focus on those kinds of things is what I'm saying. And so that's, I'm just, I know we're usually on the same page, but I've just got to make those, I've just got to, just got to say that about what you said. Well, I would say to, to, in response to that, I would say, you know, when it comes to a name, no. um, you got to keep in mind, some of the biggest companies in the world have names that don't mean anything. None at Uber, all. Uber is German for, for greater. Right. And it's a car company and it's worth millions. Like, well, it's not really a car company. Well, it's but just, I mean, it's, a, it's an it's app a log- that links. It's a logistic, they call it a logistics. Right. It's an app yeah. that links people who want a car to arrive to take them someplace with people who want to take them there. That's what it right. is. Right. Yeah. You have their competitor <laughs> is named Lyft, which they don't even spell I right. I like that name. I like okay. that name. Uh, Roman sells, ED sells uh, Viagra, basically. Mm-hmm. Get Hims. They don't even use Snoop Dogg anymore. Get Hims is their competitor. So mm. when it comes to a name, the name always doesn't always have to be descriptive. I mean, you look no. at some of the biggest tech names out there and they're completely, um, they have no meaning behind them, like off, at least offhand. That you can tell, right. That you can tell. <laughs> so, you know, I, I would, I would just, I would, uh, I would say that the critique on the name, <clears throat> you know, yeah, it could work as a tagline for sure. But if you look at some of the biggest companies out there that do, um, that you know that basically their valuations they don't necessarily have a name that ties in the way that you're saying like you have to put speaking in there or kind of really yeah, make sure yeah. but when it comes to trademark you are right so <clears throat> i think and that's you know you talk and then kind of getting back to what i was saying <clears throat> you know number one you want to make sure that you have um you know to your point you want to make sure that there's not a trademark on that name so if you have a name and let's say it's um I don't know. Let's we'll just go back to Uber, for example. Let's say when mm. they started out, if they found out that somebody already trademarked the name Uber, well, you really don't want to sit here and build up a business and have it be wildly successful only to get a cease and desist motion <laughs> and somebody sues you for you know any number of things, right? Mm-hmm. So that's something you want to make sure that you have taken care of. You uh, you want to make sure that and this is a really big one. It's, it's kind of a really simple one. You do a Google search and with that name and see what comes up. That's a good you know, start. You know, back in the days when they used to, um, they used to cyber squat. Do you remember that term? Yes, of course. Yes. <clears throat> well, yes. when they first started setting web domains, they, what people would do, and I'm sure you already know this, but some of our listeners might not, is mm. the, porn, the porn sites would basically pick up a name like Wendy's or McDonald's. Uh, they did White House. I'm not sure. I don't think they do. They have that anymore. But it was WhiteHouse.com, Wendy's, mm-hmm. McDonald's, and they would basically set up a meeting with McDonald's or Wendy's corporate leadership, mm-hmm. and they basically say, "Hey, just an FYI, we're you know we want to sell this. We want to sell this website to you, <laughs> and we just want to show you currently what's on it." <laughs> and no, and they would set and everybody had a, heart attacks and strokes. Oh, oh my god, complete like Fred Sanford heart attack. Like, I'm coming to join you, honey. <clears throat> so, and what happened is it wasn't illegal. It was not illegal. 
Mm-hmm. So really all you had to do if you're a porn company, if you want to make a ton of money is you sign up Pepsi.com, McDonald's.com, Wendy's.com. And you basically set some exorbitant price for them uh, to buy your website domain, mm-hmm. the rights to your website domain. And they made a ton of money. And then yeah. a few years later, they passed a law where they outlawed it, where you're not allowed to solicit the sale. Right. So you can still technically put up, let's say Tesla.com if Elon was slow on the and put a porn site on it but you're not allowed to reach out to them and proactively try to sell it. Now, if Tesla comes hmm. up and say, Hey, we want to buy this website from you, then they can do that. <clears throat> um, but you want to make sure that, you know, number one, the name's not taken. There's not an established, um, like if you're going to open up a pizza joint, you don't want to put, you don't want to put Bronx's best pizza here in San Diego because people are going to confuse you with the other one. Mm-hmm. Like we're probably going to That wouldn't pop be a up- bad thing though, would it? Well, it depends if you open, if one of the first things that popped up on the Google search was in that little window on the right was the Yelp for Bronx pizza. That's not mm-hmm. you. Right. And so they're going to click on that, go to Yelp, and they're going to go to your competitor. So you want to get a sense on what the, you know, the competitive landscape is. If somebody was Googling for your business specifically, what would they find? Mm-hmm. You know, is there a lot of confusion in there? Um You know, is there somebody that really had the idea that you had <laughs> two years ago and they've already set up the website? And they has a, has a pretty much the same name. They mm. sell the same products or sell the same services. Um, you look at social media and you want to make sure that like, you know, on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever, you know, whatever site you're on, um, <clears throat> that you have some consistency on there. So you don't have to have like a totally different name um, on Facebook because it's taken. But you want to make sure that you get a sense that there's clarity in the marketplace when somebody's looking for you. Um, that it's going to readily pop up in the first one or two entries. And then from there, you got to make sure a trademark because the last thing you want to do is just build this great business for somebody to take from you in a court of law. Like you just don't want to do that. Right. Um, Which they could do even if you did. They could, but if they went in and they basically said, somebody is infringing on our trademark and they Mm -hmm. took you to court, Mm -hmm. um, they theoretically could get... Well, right. And they could get ownership. They could get equity in your business or take over your business entirely or get a you could get an an injunction where you had to shut down your business Mm -hmm. because you're infringing on their trademark. Right. You remember um, coming to America when you had the the, they had McDowell's. Yes. Yes. (laughs) McDowell's. Yeah. With yeah, arches so and <laughs> with it was the golden sun. It wasn't golden arches. He said it was like the golden circles like gold, or something. Circles or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, but the whole point is you don't want to spend all this time and effort and money only to lose it in a summary judgment in a court of law because you didn't yeah. do the homework <laughs> enough to check yeah. to see if there's a trademark. Right. Now that that's all the legal stuff, but realistically, you got to figure out what your message is, right? So if you, you know, if you're ex, if you're, if you're this, you know, if you're this really just, I don't want to say Jersey Shore type guy from the Bronx and you, you know, your family's been making pizzas in the Bronx for 50 years or a hundred years or whatever it is, then, mm-hmm. and that's what you want to do, then you know what, that's your message. It's like, I'm going to, we're, we're going to do authentic um, Bronx pizza, right? Bronx say you want style it, pizza. Bronx style pizza. <laughs> yeah, or like Chicago is the same thing. I can't eat Chicago pizza. It just puts me in the bathroom for a half hour. It's way too much cheese. You're eating at the wrong place, man. I was eating in Chicago. And it gave... <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You were eating in the wrong place. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, but you want to look at, you know, kind of what your message is. So mm-hmm. if you're, um, 
you know, if you're wanting to do something, if you want to do something that's, you know, that's different, let's say that you want mm-hmm. to open up uh, an Irish pub, but you don't want to open up a bar, but you want to open up like the type of pubs you'd see in Ireland. We're like, sure. Authentic Irish get- pub. Yeah. Then it's like your message isn't going to be like Nick's pub. Like that's not going to work because, mm. but you want to, you want to mess You want to have a message out that basically, you know, identifies that this is a public house. It's a tavern. Mm. It's different. Right. Um, and your messaging is going to be different and you know, how you create the inside of your facility, you know, your, your, your pub is going to be different, but mm. whatever your message is, you want to think of something that's really going to get to the heart of like, you know, really, what are you trying to say to people? So if you're a guitar teacher, are you trying to teach people to be good enough to be in a band? Or are you trying to get people enough where they can play three songs or one song, you know, or it's guitar play, like you could have, you know, people that, you know, have never played before. You look at those books where it's like, I think they started in the nineties where it's like something, something for dummies. And you take this complex potentially what seems complex to people and you just put for dummies on the end of it. So it could be algebra for dummies or cross stitching for dummies or um, pie making for dummies. And the whole idea is that anybody that's going to buy your book is going to understand inside. It's not going to be overly complex. Yeah. Well, I think this whole for dummies thing has now been uh, basically determined to be politically incorrect. You cannot say for dummies anymore. I mean, what is a dummy? Dummy is a person who basically cannot speak. He's dumb. They cannot speak. So that has to be, you've got to look at that. Crash test dummies. (laughs) Crash test stuff, which I think there was a band called Crash Test Dummies. There are, there was, yeah. Yeah, so see, it just goes to show, I think most, here's what most entrepreneurs are going to do. They're going to try to come up with a name that they think is catchy or cool or with it or happening, you know, or they or, or it reflects their personality or they're going to create a name based some somewhat on the history of what they've done. Like, for example, my company is APC Marketing Group. I also have the APC Group and I have APC Technology Group. It all started 30 years ago. When I went to visit my cousin in Paris, who had a magazine called PC Technology, was similar to uh, PC Magazine here, except it was French and it was in Paris. And I went to visit him and I, when I got back from, and he was also in, this was many years ago, this is 30, 35 years ago, um, when the uh, PC business was just getting started. And he, he was an entrepreneur and he was looking to, uh, to get some new software products on the market. And he had his magazine and all kinds of, he was acting and doing consulting. He was doing a lot of the things that I wanted to do. So when I got back to the US, I said, look, um, I'm gonna be the um, American version of PC technology. So I said, I'm gonna call it APC technology. And then I thought, well, okay, APC technology group. And that's how it was created. It was that simple. It really doesn't mean anything. And people used to ask me, what does APC stand for? And I said, well, what would you like it to stand for? I had it stand for anything that basically was APC. I mean, it could be anything from uh, all-purpose cars to advanced productivity control or APC could have stand, stood for anything. American um, pizza creators. American pizza creators. Uh, awesome uh, products uh, for your company. It could be anything. So... 
that's how most people get their names. But let's say they've strained their brain, they've sat for hours and hours, uh, they've dreamt about it, they've written it down, they've asked their friends and they come up with a name, okay? They think it's a good name, they think it's trademarkable, they think it describes what their, what their product is or service is, they think it appeals to the consumer, they think they can go with it, then what, Matt? Then what? Well, I think, again, you have this idea in your own head, but it only exists within your own head. <clears throat> so we have to take that message that we get inside of our head, because it's not just, I want to start an American PC company, <clears throat> or I want to start a pizza company, or I want to, you know, I'm going to be a tax lawyer or whatever. It could be anything, right? Mm. That's great. It's inside your own head. You get the nuances. You understand what you want to do. You see the finished product. Mm-hmm. Every single other person that could benefit from your product or service doesn't even know anything about you, doesn't get it all. So you have to now be able to craft, you know, not, not just be able to craft your message, but to figure out just what's the overall big picture message you have. So we always joke about seven minute abs or eight minute abs, right? (laughs) Which by the way, made a ton of money. Right. Yeah. And, and I saw a commercial with um, the guy from Tybo. What was his name? Oh, oh! I forget his name. Billy Banks. Billy Banks, which he Billy should have Banks. been in. You think he would have been in finance, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. William um, H. Banks. Or, or he's a pilot because he banks. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, but the idea is that like. That's a stretch, figure, man. That is a stretch. Okay. So, but it is a complete sentence too. Yes. Um, Tybo. You know, Tybo, yes, you need it, but you need to be able to figure out what your message is. So like, what are, what are you trying to tell people? So are you okay. trying to tell people that I can get you better abs in eight minutes? Okay, great. Are you trying to tell people that we have the cheapest tax prep um, service in the neighborhood? Mm. Okay, are you trying, are you telling them that, look, we make, we are the only people around who actually know how to make real New York pizza. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to appeal to maybe the people that are from New York that live here, which they can go home if, as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, what, what's your message? Are you, <clears throat> do you have, um, you know, are you trying to sell, la- uh, what is it, uh, out, outdoor landscaping to wealthy, the wealthiest people in San Diego? Right. right. I have a so friend that to... does that. You, you yeah. know what the name of his company is? I'll give him mm-hmm. a plug aristocrat landscape aristocrat landscape right that's awesome because the only people that would ever you know how many aristocrats are there in san diego i don't know and they and they probably want to be aristocrats so it's like (laughs) they want to get the mail coming in (laughs) to to validate their ego but the idea is i'm going to send them an invoice yeah, but what's, what's your overall message? So we're not writing any copy. We're not writing taglines. You're not doing any of that. Right. You're just trying to figure out what's your message. What, in, in, mm. in an instant, if you met somebody at a dog park and you're sitting next to them and they said, what do you do? This is the equivalent of your elevator speech, so to speak. Mm. But like, what would, how could you say it in one short sentence to distill it down, to really get to the point that if the person were in your target market, they would immediately start peppering you with questions. So like, I, I, no, we actually make real pizza. Like we don't make, we make real New York pizza. Like we that's, make pizza that's, for, if I was in a dog park and somebody asked me what I did and I made pizza, I would say, I make pizza for dogs. Right. 
They have um, there's a shop down in uh, I want to say it's Kensington. Um, so my wife has celiac, and like her big thing is like there's a lot of places she goes to that she just can't eat a lot of their stuff. Mm. Notably, bakeries. Like you can't go into a bakery with for my wife and get anything because everything's made with flour. Well, there's this place right on I think it's on Adams Avenue. Uh, I want to say it's in Kensington, and it's called the Gluten Free <laughs> Baking Company. I mean, it's just mm. as soon as you like you hear the name. You don't have to call like normally I have to call them up and say, hey, do you have anything that's gluten free if I want to get some for my wife? Sure. I don't have to call them up. Let's go down there. Everything there is gluten free. And I know or, that in the name. Or it has gluten and it's free. Right. Well, that would be the free gluten baking company. <laughs> so you got to make sure the words are in the right you order. You see? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, the idea is you want to get a sense on what's, what's your overall message? What are you trying to tell people? What, you know, and in the, in the end, really kind of what you're asking yourself isn't so much the positive side of that. I was like asking the negative question. So in other words, the, the, what you're really asking is why should people give you the time of day? Like, why should they? We're all busy. We have stuff we're doing. We're all addicted to our phones. We're all either addicted to our phones, addicted, you know, or on Netflix, or, you know, there's any number of things that are routines already baked into our life every day. Why mm. should we even give you the time of day at all? You know, and it's like the only reason to do that is if somebody disrupts your life and all of a sudden you need something that you didn't need before, then that's a big thing. So, for example, if you had a, a place back in April and it said the toilet paper warehouse, like they would probably have a line out the door because like it's really hard to get through that. Or if they back in, in May or in March, rather, if you said the N95 mask warehouse you know, it's like, all right, well, like this, they're going to get a ton of business because all of a sudden now you need something that you didn't need a year ago. Um, again, it could be the same thing. People hate doing their taxes every year and we're in January at this point. So like it could be something where it's like they don't care about doing their taxes, but, you know, I just want to get it done. I want to get my maximum refund and I want it to be over with. And so you look at H&R Block and that's their main tagline, get your maximum refund. So it's like, they're getting a sense on what, what their message is, but realistically, it's like, you need to ask yourself, you have a business, people already are baked, their, their routine is baked into them. Why should they give you the time of day? And your message should answer that question. Um, you know, maybe you're just, like I said, you're trying to order in and you're, and you're trying to figure out what to get and you don't know what you want to get. And um, somebody's on Grubhub or Postmates or whatever, and you just have, and you know, it's something on you know, some restaurant or some food that really gets their attention on, on kind of what they make and how they make it. So again, if it's bare toes, I'm going to get it. If it's, if you have a random Mexican restaurant that I've never heard before at a place called bare toes, I'm going to be ordering the bare toes just because it's, 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 it's been an absolute no brainer for me the entire time I've lived here. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Now from there, I would say that you really want to, and this gets into, and, and I know this is kind of more your area than my area, but hmm. um, from here, you really want to work on like trying to figure out, and at least the first stages of it is developing your brand. And, you know, a brand, people make it so complex, right? It's, you know, you know, what is my brand? But realistically, if you go back to the actual name of the brand, like what a brand is before you get to advertising, from an agricultural standpoint, it was that piece of metal that they, they heated up and they just stuck it on the side of a horse or a sheep or whatever. And basically, if that horse or sheep ever got out, people would know that this sheep belonged to you. You had a unique symbol that you branded into the side of the animal. 
And they said, it was yours and yours alone. And so realistically, mm. when it comes to marketing, it's no different than that. You need to figure out how, or in other words, how are you different than everybody else? Are you easier? Are you friendly? Do you get, um, do you get, you know, the complex problem solved the first time? So for example, my wife, her, she has, um, she has uh, the little, the, the adapter that your power cord goes into your PC, like the actual yeah. hardware on the laptop got yeah. loose. And mm. so the only way her laptop charges is if she keeps it absolutely still. Right. If, move, if she has it on her laptop, on her lap, and mm -hmm. she moves it around at all, that it will not charge. And right. so she Duct went tape. to go. Well, but the pro it's, the wiring inside <laughs> is loose. But yeah, it's not duct tape. Like that's <laughs> that's the answer to almost everything. And she never had to deal with this problem. So she kept mm. calling around and like they would say, oh, well, you might as well just get a new computer. That was one place. Uh, another place she dropped it off and they didn't call her back for a week. <laughs> so she sure. didn't even know if that business was still open. Right. So she had to call and she ended up picking up the computer and not letting it. And so finally she called us one place and, and the guy seemed very, you know, down to earth, small computer shop guy. It was out in, I want to say it's in South park. Mm. And, uh, and she's just waiting for the part to come in, but it was like, here's this problem. Her computer's not charging. Like, and she'll wake up in the morning and she'll have stuff to do and her computer's completely dead. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and she had to solve the problem. And so like, you know, what got her was the fact that the guy seemed, first of all, the, I forget the name of the business, but the name of the business, like got it right down. It was like something like South park computer repair or something like that. But sure. when she talked to the guy, like the guy seemed really down to earth. I went, looked up his website and they're just a couple of guys who were just passionate about technology. Geeks. They're total geeks. Total, total nerds. Geeks. And They're the kind actually, of guys that would repair the actual connector. They take the they take the notebook apart. They repair the just the connector, and charge her like forty five dollars because yeah, or that's what they they'll, do. Or they'll repair the connector, charge her the normal amount, but then they'll like upgrade her memory or do something on there <laughs> listen but, while we have the notebook open why don't we just upgrade the memory okay yeah we'll clean not? it we'll clean it we'll de-virus it de-virus it exactly. and uh, de-trojanize it de de and then it, she gets it. a bill for six hundred dollars which means she should have just bought a new notebook <laughs> right <laughs> i was but in the was... business for 30 years tell me about it you know but I, I just found this interesting because here she is. She has a problem. She has no expertise. She doesn't know who to trust. She doesn't know right. anything about it. She has no clue mm -hmm. what to do. Mm -hmm. And this is where like you're determining your brand and how you're approaching your, who you are in the marketplace is different. Like there's a lot of, like you can take it to geek squad at Best Buy. In fact, that was sure. the first place that I told her to take it to. Sure. But they, they said, they it, do an okay job. But they said it was going to take like two to three weeks for to get her, you know, to get the part in and get it repaired. Like it took a long time. And more, it's like, wow. nope. And I, I just thought they would have, it's an HP. Like I thought for sure they would just have a part like that part there. Cause it's gotta be a commonly repaired part. Right. And, and she's filing one thing after another, after another, and she's getting yeah. super frustrated. Right. She's on break. She needs her mm -hmm. computer. She's on, she's taught, she's in virtual class right now. Mm -hmm. And she needed it before Monday. And it was just interesting because she wanted to find a place that she could trust that yeah. could get it done quickly. Again, and the, the guys that own the shop, like that's yeah. kind of what they, that's kind of their big thing sure. is we're going to make sure. this complex problem and we're going right. to make it simple. 
Right. Now, here's the thing. Um, first of all, I'm hearing some kind of sound in the background. I don't know what that's coming from. What does it sound like? Uh, it sounded like a, a radio or, a, or something going on in the background there. And I don't know where that was coming from. But, like a voice uh, or a sound? Uh, it was a, like a, vo a voice or talking or something like that. But I don't know where that's coming from. But And of course, now that I mentioned it, it looks like it stopped. So... I, I was going to. <laughs> I was going to say, Al, you need to no, don't cut the pill in half. <laughs> take the whole pill. Make, your doctor asks you to take the whole pill. <laughs> if I'm going to take the pill, then I need a shot of whiskey with it to wash right. it down. But that's all I'm saying now. Okay, so let's let's just look at that example. Okay, you've got a business. First of all, they can do what your wife needs to have done. If they can't do what your wife needs to have done, then there's no point in going to the next step. Number two, your wife needs to know about them, okay? So how does your wife know about them or find them, okay? Number three, they've got to do it for a reasonable price within a reasonable time frame, so that your wife is going to be happy with the work, okay? I mean, they can say, yeah, we'll do it for $45, but it'll take eight weeks, not happy. Yeah, we'll do it in, 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 in one hour, but it'll cost $800. No, not happy right? The whole point here is if you're an entrepreneur and you're getting ready to start your business or you've started your business or you've tested the idea for your business, you feel that it's viable, you're ready to go on. The first question I would ask you as a marketing strategist and business coach, which is what I am, have you looked at it from the consumer's point of view or are you in love with this thing and you come up with the all, all the ideas and you've dreamed about it and you've asked your best friends about it and they've all said, yeah, man, that's great. Great, that's what you've always wanted to do. Um, sure, I guess it'll be great. It'll make money, I think. I don't know, man. Uh, let's have another beer or whatever. Have you looked at it objectively from the consumer's point of view. And if you don't know who your consumer is, if you don't know who your ideal customer or client is, you are almost guaranteed to fail. Your business will not make money. You will not be able to live. You will not be able to pay the rent. You'll spend a tremendous amount of time and money, uh, most likely. Um, and you'll never get the first base, my friend. You love baseball. You'll never get the first base, okay? So you've got the you've got the the bat in your hand. You're standing at home plate. The pitch is coming. You swing at it, and it's just a pop fly, and you're done, okay? That's you're done. The fact that you even got to swing at it is great, but if it doesn't, if it isn't those things, if it if it isn't viable, if it isn't scalable. If it isn't sustainable and it doesn't make money, look, I've worked for, I, I, I volunteered for SCORE in the past, you know, Service Corps of Retired Executives, where we advise people. And I look at them and I said, you know, someone will come in, oh, I don't, I, I don't, I've got this idea for a business or I have a small business, it doesn't seem to be doing well, you know, please help me. And I'll tell them, first of all, 
The two main reasons is businesses don't last more than five years. Most 80% of them fail within the first five years. And of course, now 80% of them are failing after the first five years. It's a different situation. But I say the main two main reasons that a business fails. Bad management, undercapitalization. Those are the two main reasons. So you can have all the other stuff. But if you, if you are a great computer technician, but you can't manage your business, you don't do your accounting, you've stolen a name from another business, you don't know how to market your business, you're not going to meet the qualifications that your wife wants when she's trying to solve the problem. You may, so what if you know how to fix a connector on a HP notebook? Who gives a flying duck, all right? Nobody. You've got to be able to do it. You've got to be able to, 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 to let the consumer out there that needs the notebook connection repair know about who you are and why you're great and why they should hire you to do it or pay you to do it. You've got to be able to actually do it and do it to the satisfaction of the customer, whatever it is. And then you want to be there so that when the customer has another problem, Trojans, virus, uh, their, their notebook is bloated with, uh, uh, you know, doesn't run quickly, doesn't run the way they want it to, crashes, whatever the situation, that you're going to be able to have more business from that customer or that client. Because if all you're going to do is repair notebook connection, connectors that are bad you may be the best notebook connector repair company for hp notebooks in the world you're not going to be able to to live you're not going to survive you've got to be able to do a variety of things even though you might be a specialist in that thing that's just got to be one of the things that you do so one of the big problems that entrepreneurs face is do I want to be everything to everybody, which a lot of times they do, okay? I'm not just going to have pizzas. I'm going to have spaghetti, and I'm going to have this, and I'm going to have that. And then they start thinking, well, maybe I should have lumpia too, you know? Maybe I should also, hey, people out there like hamburgers. I should have a pizza Bronx-style hamburger. And they put all this stuff on their menu, and guess what they sell? Pepperoni pizza, right? With maybe sausage, okay? That's it. So they got all this other stuff. They're trying to be everything to everybody. Now, the other end of the spectrum, the entrepreneurs, I'm just going to be doing the, just this one specific thing for this one specific type of customer, this one specific product for this specific price. I'm just going to market it as much as I can and pray and hope for the best. So the market is too specialized. Okay. So somewhere in between being too specialized and being everything to everybody is your niche. That's your niche. That's the sweet spot. That's where you need to be focusing. Doesn't mean that you can't do other things. But if you don't focus on that target, on the bullseye of the target, okay, you're not even going to hit the target. You got to focus on the bullseye. And that's what I'm telling entrepreneurs out there. They're creative people. They're energized. They, they, they have a passion. 
They want to do this. They want to do that. Maybe they want to do too many things. Focus. See if you can get the pizza thing right first before you decide to expand into croissant. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that's that's what you, the entrepreneur out there listening, man, you cannot be everything to everybody. But also you cannot have a business that's so focused on one thing that there aren't any, there isn't a market out there for it. If you want to sell toilet paper, you can't just sell pink toilet paper. You know, if your idea is, well, you know, there, nobody out there is selling pink toilet paper. Pink toilet paper could be the next big thing. Okay, fine. So you go into the pink toilet paper business and everybody goes, nobody, nobody gives a shit. Literally. Right. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, you know, entrepreneurs out there, test, test, test. All right. Before you put your life savings and mortgage your home and quit your job and, uh, and, 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 and eliminate your paycheck, you just look like Bugs Bunny right then. The people that, can't oh. see it. People can't see it on Spotify, but that look you just had was like Bugs Bunny. Bugs, like Bunny. Bugs Bunny. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Let's keep it light. Let's keep it going. But anyway, but I, I think what, you're what do you think is, about that? Well, I think is I think <clears throat> number one, I think it's good. I think you want to make sure that you're not overly broad. So, <clears throat> you know, if you're gonna, if I always wanted to open up a restaurant, well, what food do you want to serve? What food do you want to serve? Everything. I'm gonna yeah. have an Italian section and a Greek section and a Chinese section and a yeah. Brazilian section. Yeah. No, no, no it's not Golden work. Corral. That's, it's called <laughs> Golden Corral. Or Denny's, or yeah, it's like <laughs> oh, all the food is equally as horrible, right? <laughs> and there's and there's more of it. Oh my god, that's gosh. the big sales pitch. It, there's more of well, this terrible um, food. And that was and that was the case with with uh, what do you want to call it? What's the oh the buffet place? Um, Name one. Soup plantation. Soup yeah. plantation. And then COVID I like hit. Soup plantation. I well, like you did because they're not in business anymore. COVID <laughs> killed them. The plantation is no longer a plantation. Oh, and by the way, if COVID didn't kill them, that would have killed them. <laughs> what? <laughs> plantation. Or banana, after they should have called the themselves the Banana Republic. <laughs> no, but I, I was saying after all the PC police came oh, out for everybody this year, soup plantation would have been gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, Little Sambo's but, soup plantation would have been a good oh name for them. Yeah, we're going to get totally blocked. This is No, uh, we're not. We're not. <laughs> anyway, I'm saying so, that would have been good for them. I don't recommend right. it. Right. Yeah. You just generally want to keep the word Sambo out of your mouth if you're going to have a restaurant. <laughs> you, can't even say, you can't even say uh, the, what's the, the syrup now that it's no longer. Oh, Aunt Jemima. You can't say Aunt Jemima. No, you can't. They changed it uh, to Mammy's. Mammy's syrup. <laughs> <laughs> You know, okay, so these corporate people are amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you don't want to use mammies or sambos. You don't want to have a restaurant that serves everything. But to your point, though, you don't want to have it hyper specialized. So, <clears throat> if for example, if you want to open up a business, you said, "Oh my gosh, every time my computer breaks, the first thing that breaks is the power cord adapter connector." Yeah. Well, yeah. you're not going to open up a business where it's like, where your business is just HP power cord adapters like uh or connectors that's that's not going to work because you're overly specialized but what you need to figure out and this kind of leads into the next thing i want to talk about so mm -hmm. perfect segue on your part that you didn't Cute. see coming oh man was 
And I'm a, and I'm a believer in market efficiency, meaning the market's mm-hmm. always going to tell you what you need to do. Mm. Um, and so the market's going to tell you what your target market should be. And what you want to look at is you want to look and say the best determining way to figure out where, what business you should open, where there's a need for your, what you're going to do is by looking at your, trying to figure out what the market's currently paying for. Mm-hmm. And if nobody's paying for product X, well, then I wouldn't necessarily, I don't think it's, it's not automatically a smart thing to, you know, to, to go into a place where nobody's doing it unless you have something that's just so unbelievably cutting edge, like nobody did iPods, nobody did Apple store, nobody did podcasts until Steve Jobs started it. Unless you're, unless you're kind of in his place, then I wouldn't do it. But mm. you want to look at where there's competition, where are people spending money? <clears throat> and it's interesting when I was in college, I wanted to become a lawyer. And <clears throat> I remember I met with my cousin who at, at the time was the smartest person that I've ever met in my life. And he's still top three smartest mm-hmm. people I've ever met in my life. He graduated. Let's bring him on the show. I, I couldn't There's even people get it talking t- in the background again, just to let you know, man. Yeah, you can hear my wife downstairs. So okay, I'll, okay. I'll try to neutralize it out when I when I I'm thought maybe it was coming from that car on the freeway I see behind <clears> you. Oh no, 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 no. It's you know it is loud when you're a thousand feet up. So <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so I met him for lunch and I was like, I wanted to get a sense on what it was like. You know, what was your day like? What do you do? And I'm thinking this guy's, you know, he was number two in his class at Ohio State, big law school. This guy worked at the number one law firm in the city he was in. I thought this guy's got to be like living a charmed life. I want to kind of see what it's like. And he's like, no, they just have me. I just, I'm at a desk all day, just filing papers. It's just one corporation suing another all day. And I'm thinking this guy is this like, this guy's way smarter than I am. Like if that's his job, what am I going to be the janitor in the office? Like there's no way. And so I looked, this was back in the nineties. I looked back at the phone books and I looked at the attorney section and it was, you know, it's thick, right? Oh yeah. So I kept going page after page, after page, after page, attorneys, 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 they're on the front inside cover. They're on the back cover. I mean, and I'm thinking there are so many freaking attorneys. There's no way they need another attorney. <clears throat> and, I, and the reason I didn't go to law school is I thought I said to myself, this was the stupid 20 year old logic, 21 year old mm. logic. I said, oh, the market's flooded. And I thought there's 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 way too many attorneys. But then what I came to realize later was that there's not too many attorneys. It's like there's such a demand for attorneys that will never be enough attorneys. I mean, there's a reason they get paid so much is because there's always a demand for them. If they were right, if the market was getting flooded, you would see attorneys starting to get paid lower and lower and lower until the amount of money they made didn't make sense to invest in law school. Right. Mm. So it's like, they which is where it is. That's where it is right now. No, no, it's quite the opposite. No, hyper partisan, hyper regulatory California. Do you know how many, how many companies have a step, have an in-house set of attorneys to manage either customer lawsuits or regulatory things. My old company, we had so many attorneys in our company. We kept hiring and hiring and hiring attorneys because the state of California just kept enacting law after law, after wage, after wage. And it just made operating the business so complex. You needed, Mm -hmm. we had specialized attorneys for wage an hour. We had a Mm -hmm. specialized attorney for contracts. We had a specialized attorney for corrective action. Yeah. Um, But anyway, it it reminds me of like when they mine for gold. So like, you know, gold, it costs about roughly about $1,200 an ounce to mine on average. 
So if mm -hmm. you have a gold mining company, if the price of gold drops below $1,200, you shut your mine down, you send your workers home because you're going to lose money for every ounce of gold that you, you produce. Mm -hmm. And then if it's above 1200, it means you're going to be profitable about that amount. Mm -hmm. So anyway, mm -hmm. the whole point was, you know, I'm sitting here trying to figure out, I, I didn't think there was going to be a market for attorneys. So I thought, oh, it's going to be a waste of time. I'm going to be sitting here worse than my, my, co my cousin who's just filing papers back and forth. But if you're going to start a business, you need to figure out who your competitors are. So mm -hmm. is there, first of all, we talked about, is there a need for your product? Like mm. are people clamoring for it. Do you hear people talk about all the time. If you go on Google and, and just ask the question, the product, the problem question, do you see a lot of answers? Right. Mm -hmm. You see a lot mm -hmm. of people trying to figure it out. Like you, when you go into the Reddit or some of the forums, do you see people actually getting that problem solved? Mm -hmm. you know, and do you have the expertise to actually solve that problem? But then the question is, how big of a problem is it? If it's a problem that everybody's dealing with. So I'll give you a good example is iPhone screen repair. Ah. <clears throat> like that happens a lot of times and you see people and they have cracked screens or whatever. And it's like, if you know that, I, if I had the expertise where I can go in and I can repair people's screen, it probably cost me 20 bucks to do it on my end and I can charge 70. Everybody's cracking their screens. I, that's a viable business. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you have the expertise, you can easily do it. And it's enough of a common problem that you know it's out there. So the question is right. competitors. If you right. opened up a shop in your neighborhood for iPhone screen repair mm -hmm. and there's six other people doing that in your neighborhood, mm -hmm. probably not the right place to open it up. But if you, if you, well, unless you, you want to be the Starbucks of iPhone screen repair, because you know, well, there's one on every corner. But you got to be Starbucks first. Back then, Starbucks <laughs> yeah. was a coffee company named after, main named, after, named after the main character in Battlestar Galactica. No, I think it was Moby Dick. Well, it was Battlestar Galactica too. Was it really? I'm sure Moby Dick came first, Al. Okay, I I'm just saying. But... I grew up with Battlestar Galactica and the main, okay. the main, the main character. I'm a little older than you. You made your point, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, the whole fine. We'll use Moby Dick. You're gonna have it a coffee Moby company Dick. named after named after the guy from Moby Dick, right? Like, like who's gonna do that, right? <clears throat> um, but the idea is, you want to figure out who is is the juice <clears throat> worth the squeeze? Is the big question. If right. you open it up, what what's the probability that you put your message out there, whether it's okay. really well developed <clears throat> or not well developed? Yes. People are gonna go. I, there's enough of a problem out there that there's still room in the market where people need your services. All right. Let me give you an example of that. This is a business that I heard of, and I don't know if it's still around, but here was, here was the concept behind it. You're out in the middle of nowhere and your iPhone is messed up. Okay. I don't know if the screen's cracked or you dropped in the toilet or whatever. It's just, it's just bad. Right. You, but you're in, you're a high powered executive type. Your whole life is on that phone. Not your data, but your life. And because uh, <laughs> you hopefully you've backed up your data, but let's say you, you need another phone and you need it operate, operative and you need it now, but you're in the middle of nowhere. This company would send a drone to deliver you a new phone, no matter where you were in the country, no matter where. You could be on top of uh, Mount Whitney. They would send a clone with an exact duplicate of everything that your phone was fully operating, fully operational 
to you wherever you were within an hour. Now, do you think that's a viable service, Matt? And if it is, how much would it cost? How much money would it make? Now, keep in mind that you're going to pay so much a month for this service, whether you use it or not. So it's a, it's a subscription type service, okay? Just like if your phone is is messed up, you can buy an, a, a policy from Assurant that is a small, uh, you know, has a small uh, amount of money that you would pay, but then they'll ship you a phone. But if you're in the middle of nowhere, they can't ship you a phone. So obviously you're, you're, you want a company, if you're a high-powered executive type or whatever, you want a company that can get you a phone within an hour. Even if you're in, on top of Mount Whitney, you're going to pay, 50, let's say you pay $40, $50 a month. That's where the money is at, obviously, for them because it's a subscription service. Now, Matt, in your opinion, you think that's a viable business, viable business idea or concept? And how do you go from viable idea, business concept to Hey, we're doing this. We're making money. Our customers are happy, and uh, we're we're growing. We're expanding. Uh, we're hiring on employees, and and we are the we are on the top of the food chain as far as this 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 type of service. How do you go from there to there? So that's I mean that's that's the question you got to ask is like is that type of product, is it viable or not? And so the question is, you know, Somebody how big thought it was. <clears throat> well, fair enough. And the question is, are they an outlier or are they indicative, indicative of a bigger problem? So, right. you know, so like my, you, you brought it up. My wife this weekend, she, she went out walking on Torrey Pines um, through the trails, mm, walked nice, down to the beach nice trail and was like, well, it's probably faster for me to just go down to the beach, walk across the beach to the car, and then to actually double back. True. So she got down there, and then as soon as she got down there, the tide started picking up. It, it got all the way to the cliffs. Yes. And it was strong enough. It knocked her off her feet, um, and her phone popped out of her pocket and got swept oh. out to the in the ocean. Oh, my God. And it's crazy. I hear the word swept out in the ocean on a text message and I, not from her, obviously, but it was from somebody else's phone. And it was like, oh my gosh, it's like, like the, this is like the boxing day tsunami, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, so she, she didn't have a phone. And so she had to order her phone and, you know, she had insurance on it or whatever. So there's kind of your business idea from Apple, but it's like here, she can get a phone, basically sent to her within a day or two we're supposed to get it today mm. um where she can get her phone back in a couple days so the question is if you had a if you had a private business you know how much of is there a need for that you know and realistically right. you don't know if you don't know until you've researched it and so if you go to google and you say you know i've lost my phone you know i need to replace my iphone or whatever it is how many entries are on there right how many do you see from reddit or other forums or you know, things out there. And then the question is, can it be profitable? So you can open up the business, but can you make money on it? So maybe you have a concierge service where, you know, people who are, have a lot of money will say, okay, we'll get you a new, not only will we replace your iPhone, but we're going to get mm -hmm. you the newest iPhone on the market, right? So maybe you have an mm -hmm. iPhone 10, we'll get you an iPhone, a new iPhone 12, <clears throat> and we'll get it to you. Uh, we'll get it to you set up 
um, how like, you know, exactly set up how you want to do it before and delivered to you. And even we can get it restored to you from your, you know, from your iTunes account, from your Apple account, from your wireless backup. So we'll literally walk the phone up to you and, uh, are you all right? Yeah, okay. I'm good. All right. So we'll, we'll literally bring the phone to you ready to go and yes. hand it to you yes. and you can start using it immediately. Yes. So you don't know, we're not going to give it to you in the box. You're not going to have to set it up. You're not going to have to do all the back, you know, the restoring the phone. I mean, we will literally, you call us up, we'll take your payment. You give us your, you know, you give us your credentials. And call us there's... up. Wait a minute. How do you call them up? You don't have a phone. On somebody else's phone, whatever. Oh, but the whole okay. point is you have your executive <laughs> assistant do it. Remember? Cause these are wealthy individuals. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> and basically we'll get, but you can't up. get hold of your executive assistant because you don't have a phone. But you're in your office. You can go drive to work. Oh, you're not on top of Mount Whitney. What's that? You have, you're you not have walkie talkies, whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> walkie talkie. <laughs> well, I could have said. Who came up with pal, a name for that? Listen, if you're going to break out Moby Dick, I could have said CB radio. <laughs> hey, good buddy. Hey, I good lost buddy. my. I lost my 512 gigabyte iPhone. Uh, it fell off at the top of Mount Whitney. I don't think I can use it, good buddy. Come on, breaker, breaker. Over and out. Big Bear's <laughs> on the trail. Big Bear's on the trail. Smokey. Smokey's got my iPhone. He's trying to crack it. Over. <laughs> I lost my leg. <laughs> Which anyway, one, good buddy? But if you had one where you could say, literally, we'll get you the, the we'll, we'll, get, you will, we'll get you the most, um, up-to-date iPhone, so iPhone 12, whatever the new one is, sure. we'll get it literally restored, set up, restored from your Apple account and, and drive it to you, hand yeah. it to you, sure. ready to go. Yes. But it's not going to be, you know, like, you know, it's not going to be like the $9, $10 Apple care. It's going to be like 50 <laughs> bucks a month. Yes. Or whatever it is. But the idea is that like, I'm a, I'm a busy individual. You could be a real estate agent. You could be a deal maker, whatever it is. I don't have time to sit here and wait for this phone to go. I need this phone now. I can't wait two to three days. I need the right. phone today and I need it done. And I'm willing to pay 50 bucks a, a month or a hundred dollars a month or whatever it is to have the service available to have the service available. And, and, and honestly, 50 bucks a month, they're not going to do it. Somebody with that type of thing, they're probably going to do 300 a month because that actually sounds like it's, but you're going to be doing $300 a month. You're on call and they call you up. You basically have the phone. No, no, I disagree. I think it's $50 a month for a certain level of service. Um, maybe more if you want it dropped off by drone at the top of Mount Whitney, but let, let's just say it's $50 a month. But when it happens, it's going to cost you $300 plus the cost well, of the phone. Well, what I'm saying is you're going to, it wouldn't, no, no, no. For what I'm saying for this one, you charge oh. the high level clients the 300 a month or 400 a month. Okay. And you don't charge them anything when the phone comes in. Oh, wow. And so the idea is you're making it every month, right? Right. And you're not going to worry about trying to make my money back on the claim. Right. Like I'm making it high enough amount where you're paying me this much amount and you get it literally for free you don't have to give me a credit card i don't have to press yeah. you just give me a you literally get your executive assistant to call we'll hook you up with a phone within I the suppose, hour but but to be honest with you matt if the phone was that important to me okay i would have two of them and they would be clones of each other okay and one phone would sit 
you know, in my office desk that could be FedEx to me overnight. And it, and quite honestly, if you look at any of the phone plans that, that the companies have, the Verizon or T-Mobile or whatever, getting a second number is not a big deal. In fact, they want you to have like four numbers, you know, and right. then it's $100 the, a month if you have four or whatever. But, so but I, I would say a, the, the idea is that you not only, let's say that you have, you're going to get a brand new phone, you'll get an upgrade if you don't have the current model and you'll get it within an hour. So there's no FedEx. Mm. It's the, yeah. I can't wait. It's, again, this is a very like, again, we're talking about purpose. We are talking about a hyper narrow focus. Like right. it could work if you did it, but right. you have to be, it has to be one of those things where it's like, you're not going to be able to advertise your way to success. It's going to be word of mouth. So it's going to be one of those things. Let's say that you get a client who is the agent for um, Tom Hanks or whatever. It could be, I'm just picking right. an actor. And all okay. of a sudden- all the, they, they need the phone now, immediately, immediately, immediately now. And it works. Next thing you know, he spreads it to all his clients and you're getting calls from Denzel Washington or Selma Hayek. Selma Hayek would be awesome, by the way. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I'd do it just for her if she needed it. But anyway, it's like now it's like all of a sudden it's like you're the you're the cell phone guy for the stars. Yeah. And now you can charge whatever you want. Right. Well, you can charge whatever you want. I, a lot of these people, especially these famous people, are real cheapskates. Okay. Well, but it, it and, goes back to it goes back to what I was telling you in a couple episodes ago about my father-in-law. He's a toxicology consultant, and when he was he was going into business, he asked what he should charge, and the mm -hmm. guy, his friend, asked him. He said, "What are you charging?" And he charged like mm -hmm. I don't know. It was like 20, 20, 10 to twenty percent over what he made per hour working for these companies in house. Mm -hmm. And the guy said, they're not going to respect you. You need to triple your rate. And right, so, right, right. And right. so some people, it doesn't work with everything. If you're going to do bronze no. pizza and it's like, okay, it's a $75 for a pizza. That's well, probably not going to work out all that well. Well, I'll tell you that sometimes it does because you say the pizza's $20, okay, or $25, but that's for a medium. So people get on the phone. Here's what typically happens. And this is where entrepreneurs need to learn how to upsell, okay? I, I know some, this, this happened to somebody I know. They wanted a pizza. They got on the phone. They, 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 or they got on, on their, well, when I say they got on the phone, it doesn't necessarily mean they talked to anybody. But let's just say they saw the option for the pizza on their phone. They, the pizza starts off at 25. Then they added three or four toppings, okay? Then there's the delivery charge tax, um, I don't know, whatever else, mis miscellaneous charges. <laughs> By the time they were done ordering one pizza, it was like 40, over $45. Now, you know, uh, it was, yes, it was a, I don't know if it was a gourmet pizza, I don't know if the toppings were exotic. I don't know if it was delivered to them and the, the pizza place was a hundred miles away. I don't know if uh, uh, there, there was some other miscellaneous charges and so forth. I, I don't know, I don't know. But if you're, if you're talking about the entrepreneur, here's what, here's, he, he, if, if, look, if you've had a business for five years, you're, your challenges, your problems, your, 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 what you want to create is way different 
than somebody who's just woke up this morning with an idea because they think they're going to get fired at work. And so they're good at doing X, Y, Z. And they think, well, you know, I, I've got to have a way to make money. So I've got to create a business and do this, do something, do this thing, whatever it is, repair the connectors on uh, hard drives or fix the screens on Apple, Apple phones or whatever. Their set of challenges and problems are different. They can't, you can't solve those with the same mindset that some uh, that you would have if you were five years in, okay? Now, do you wanna have a vision where you wanna get to the point where your business has been around for five years? Okay, but just what I'm telling the entrepreneurs out there is you have to be aware of the unknown. What you don't know that you don't know because what you don't know that you don't know is what's going to kill you. Okay, if you're running through the jungle and you see a tiger, you can you can prepare yourself for dealing with a tiger. You can frighten it away. You can have a, a high powered rifle, whatever. But if you're running through the jungle, jungle and something attacks you and you don't know what it is. You're probably going to die. Okay. And that's where a lot of these entrepreneurs are. They spend so much time thinking about what they already know. They don't take any time to find out what is possibly could surprise them and kill them. And by kill them, I mean kill their business. And let's face it, it's a wild and woolly world out there, okay? So you don't know if there's going to be a COVID pandemic. You don't know if you're going to be in this business and the next thing you know, everybody in the business, everybody else is in the business. Okay. You don't know that you're going to open up a screen repair and the next, and, and, and one year from now, every single company in the world is doing screen repair and, and, and most of them are Chinese or something and they are doing it for $10 and you can't even make a living if you do it for a hundred, you don't know any of those things. So how do you know what you don't know? That's the big question, I think, for entrepreneurs. What do you think, Matt? Well, I think it's easy to get analysis by paralysis because like you're saying that, my immediate <laughs> thought is like, as soon as you ask a question that I don't know the answer of, like there's probably a lot of people out there that are like, I, I get obsessive of trying to figure out the answer. I don't like having those like untied shoestrings, so to speak, mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> But you don't necessarily have to figure out everything. You just have to figure out what the most pressing issue is. Right. And so, you know, you know, if we're, again, we're just talking to people who are just starting out. So we're not talking are to we? people who are ni 19 years in. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. The 19 years in who are, you know, trying to figure out if they should go public or not. Like they're not, that's not kind of our target demo. And if there's, and if those people are watch or listening or watching, then um, so be it, but you're not a target demo. Mm. Um, but for those that are trying to figure it out, it's like the next question is like, okay, how do I make first for sale? I mean, that's really your first question. Mm. And so it's, it's you use a baseball analogy, you know, it's like, how do you get up? Not how, do, how do I, it's not, how do I win the game, but it's mm. how do I get on base? Right. Or how do you even get up to bat? Well, let's hopefully you're in the lineup. <laughs> Cause otherwise it won't really matter. <laughs> you're in the dugout. Yeah, if you're, you're the not even on the list, if you're we call those designated sitters, the people that never get in the game, 
Um, but if you're, if, but it's like, how do you get on base? It's like, all right, well, is the guy going to walk you or do you have to actually get a hit to get on base? Right. Sometimes the pitcher doesn't know what he, he can't throw a strike. And so you just have to stand there and he'll get you on base. Um, or you can <laughs> swing at the bad pitches and you'll go down and you won't be successful. So the question is, how do you make your first sale? Right. right. And it goes down to, you know, again, what we talked about, what, what your message is, why, why should people give you the time of day? Kind of what's your brand? How are you different than everybody else? Who are your competitors? How many of your competitors are there? Um, and in the end, it boils down to what your value proposition is. Like mm. if, if you're sitting here saying, I can fix your screen, your iPhone screen, you know, do a screen repair, but it's going to cost you $300. Okay. But are you going to, I assume I'm getting my phone back and it's going to be gold coded, right? It's going to be gold plated when I get it back. Well, I'm so going to get it back va- in 10 minutes. But what's your value proposition? So mm-hmm. you, know, you can do it better for the money than anybody else can. And so you look at these oil change companies and they're, you know, places and they're like, we'll, we'll give you, and they'll advertise like a, a $15 oil change. So there's no way you make money on that at all, but they make money knowing that if they get you in there, they can upsell you to, you know, some other things, or now they get right. you on a marketing list and they can, you know, they know that you're going to be in there, let's say every mm-hmm. three to four months, they can start texting you after two months. Sure. And so the value of you being on the list you know, kind of helps them make more money as a lifetime client, but you have to ask, you know, kind of what's your value proposition? What's going to get people to say yes to your, to your offer. And, you know, but baked into that is how many people in the population have your problem? Do they care about the problem? Is it a problem they can live with or is, is there an urgency to it? So for example, at least the oil chains thing, it's like, do people really feel like they need to get an oil change in their car? Like immediately, probably not. But maybe you have a shop where you do car repair, but like the big thing that people hate is when that check engine light comes on. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's mm-hmm. like, that's what you're going to like, you know, that's kind of your thing. It's like check engine light. You know, we can tell you a problem. You can tell you what's going on in five minutes. Yeah. And then we can cut the wire and just make sure the light doesn't. Yeah. Make sure it doesn't come on anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like I had, a, I had on my old Jeep, the one that kept We used to call problems. them idiot. Remember we used to call them idiot lights, right? <laughs> well, this actually, you reminded me about something on my old Jeep. So I had a Jeep that it seemed like every other month, something would go wrong with it. Right. Sure. And so it's a Jeep. Yeah. And then one of the lights that came on was the seat was the uh, airbag light. And I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> Well, when the airbag light came on, what it meant is that if you get hit, the airbag's not going off. <laughs> so in essence, they cut the cord to the airbag. So it's like, well, you don't have to worry about the airbag going off because it will not go off. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, in, but but getting back to what we're talking about, you know. Yeah, how, well, how value, often do you need it, really need an airbag, you know? Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly i don't know well and if you don't you're not going to be around enough to complain so well i'll i'll tell you what's worse than not having the airbag go off is having it go off when you don't want it to go off (laughs) right uh and it cracks your ribs and forces you into an accident where you run into a wall and then the airbag has already been deflated when you hit the wall so there's that there's that (laughs) so there's that (laughs) (laughs) so so getting back to what we're talking about, it's like your yeah. value proposition. We use the Bronx pizza guy. It's like, all right, we can get a pizza, but 
you know, we suck at our numbers. We suck at managing our employees. We can't mm-hmm. manage costs. We're overpaying um, for our retail brick and mortar location. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We, we don't know how to negotiate anything. And so it's like the cost of per pizza is let's say, I don't know, 15 bucks a pizza. So they have to basically charge 30 bucks for a pizza, but it's like, mm-hmm. if all your competition is doing the same general type pizza, like, you know, kind of quality, good quality pizza in the neighborhood, sure, sure, sure. $19 a pizza, well, then you're not doing it right. And so you have to look at what your value proposition is. So the problem right. isn't your offer. The problem is how you, like you said, managing the enterprise, mm-hmm. you know, are you managing costs? Do you know, you know, what the, you know, you know, how much you should be paying for ingredients. Are you getting good ingredients? Like you could get the, you could get the, you know, that we'll give you a pizza for nine bucks, the Domino's or little yeah. Caesar special, Ugh. or we'll give you like, <laughs> five we'll dollars. Make... it's $5 by the way, Matt. For, right. For, or we'll give you the best, pi- the best pizza that you've ever, yeah, little Caesars, the best pizza that you've ever had. <laughs> yeah. And you'll like, you'll just say, we're just going to go here no matter what. And so like, mm-hmm for the Italian place in town for us, like the best, the best place for Italian food that I've had here is Buena Forchetta down in South park. Mm. And they actually have gluten-free everything, which is awesome. But mm. the whole point is we'll go down there and we know that we're going to pay more for pizza, like, or more for pasta, more for whatever. Mm-hmm. But the food is so good that it's worth it. How's and the, so the question? Oh, it's amazing. It's See, amazing. There you go. And there's, and there's a, and there's a, there's a bar and a, and a, a cocktail lounge right across the street. So like when they yeah. tell you, you have to wait an hour, it just means you're going to go for cocktails before, which is perfect. Oh, awesome. Can, can I send them an invoice after we do this podcast? Because we <laughs> exactly. are promoting the hell out of it. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> um, but the idea is that you want to, you want to make sure that one, is there a big problem? Is it yeah. one that people care enough about that they're, yeah, yeah. that they're willing to actually act on it? And two, mm-hmm. are you going to, and th- or two, three, are you going to make money on it? And yeah. in the end, it's yeah, like, yeah. that's what you need to figure out before you even do anything. Cause the last thing you want to do, like you alluded to was you, op- you, you, you reserve a space, you sign a lease, you hire all these people, mm-hmm. you have a distribution contracts with all these, like, um, let's say that you're a pizza place, all these vegetable companies and pepperoni and all this stuff. Oh, sure. And then you come to find out that called Cisco, by the way, S Y S C O. Oh, I've, I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And then you come to find out that you can't make money because, um, you're blowing everything. So it's like, you need to figure all this stuff out ahead of time. Yes. Now, maybe you're not a, maybe you're not a food service you know, uh, enterprise, maybe you just, you have, uh, an, an information product. So you're helping people on how to network or what have you. So mm. you don't necessarily have to worry about the cost as much, but you do need to make sure that your message is right. And even more important, it's like, what's going to get these people just out of their seat and start acting and actually yes. move on your product. Yes. And so all these things are important to do before you start investing money in there, right. especially in advertising, because and when you alluded this earlier about testing, if you haven't tested your idea and you haven't gotten traction and you haven't seen people, what gets people to start acting right away, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, there's no sense in investing any time or definitely not money. <laughs> right. You know, and it's interesting. This is the first year I'm thinking about it. January typically is the year where all the gyms make money because everybody oh. eats chocolate for you know <laughs> junk food and drinks right. a lot from November to December. Sure. Well, all the gyms are closed. This is the first time probably ever. Well, I think the they're open now. Ex- they're actually open, but they're opening in protest of law and they're actually having people show up. There's a 
there's a very specialized gym a couple of, uh, I'd say about a half a mile from my place. It used to be Gold's and then it became something else. It's strictly for people that are very, 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 very serious about working out. They're the kind of guys that are like super buff, but they're wearing this little pink like thing. Lobo gym. Whatever. Uh, I looked at the parking lots full of cars. I'm going like, why is this full of cars? Because they've already been, uh, they've already been reprimanded by uh, by Newsom, and they've been, they, they, they've already said they've already been told they need to shut down. They already had people ca- uh, catching the COVID there, but for some reason they've decided, you know, people want to come here and work out. They're going to work out with masks on or hazmat suits or whatever it is they're going to do. The parking lot is full, full of people. Uh, cars with, I'm assuming people drove the cars there. So whatever. I mean, uh, these people could have just said, you know what, I want my money back, but for some reason they're, they're there. So yeah, I mean, getting back to, getting back to the nuts and bolts of this, uh, you know, your business, you think your business is viable. What do you do next? You got to have a strategy, but more important than having a strategy is you got to have a good strategy. Because just having a strategy isn't enough. Now, here's, here's what I have found, my personal experience. Most entrepreneurs that are excited and passionate about doing something, okay? I don't know if they just got out of college and they're a tech weenie or they, uh, they've had 20 years experience being a plumber, but they don't want to be a plumber for somebody else. They want to start their own plumbing business. Uh, and then they got the, the certifications and the licensing and all that and whatever, and they get their van truck or whatever it is. They, uh, they've basically fallen in love with the idea, okay? And they're so passionate about it and they've fallen in love with it. They don't do their due diligence. They don't have a strategy, much less a good strategy. They just don't. They just figure that they'll do some advertising. People will call them. They'll go out and do whatever it is that they do and they'll make money and they'll start small and they'll build from there. What they find out is they're not very good at managing. They're they're cutting corners and not doing their due diligence legally or otherwise. Financially, uh, if they don't have money coming in tomorrow, they, they starve or they can't put gas in the van to go do a job. You know, they have no, they have no foundation to build on it of any kind. All they have is this mad, passionate idea. And then life just bitch slaps them to the ground. <laughs> and they give up and go to work for $30 an hour for somebody else. And they give up their hope and their dream because they just don't know what they don't know. And they're not paying attention to what they don't know. And uh, they just figure that their, their, their passion and their love for doing what it is that they're doing is gonna carry them through. Uh, no, it doesn't work that way. Now, there's many other types of situations where people need incredible amounts of training. I mean, you don't just hang out a shingle and saying, I'm, I'm a brain surgeon, you know, well, you could. There's probably a lot of them around that say, I'm a brain surgeon or I'm a cosmetic surgeon or whatever. But you're going to get caught if you do that. It's the first time you make a mistake, okay? 
first time you inject somebody with, uh, you know, rubber cement instead of, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna, life and your competition and the economy and probably some of your customers are gonna wait in line to bitch slap you to the ground. And that's the bottom line. So if you're an, if you're an entrepreneur out there and you go, you know, all I keep hearing about from these Facebook ads is I have to have the right mindset and I have to have passion. And I, if I don't have passion I need, uh, for something, I need to find out what that passion is. And then after I find out what that passion is, I'm going to pay these people $15,000 and they're going to put me through their program and they're going to teach me everything I need to know. And the most important thing I need to know is I have to have passion. Everybody has passion until the first slap. <laughs> right. And the second and the third and the fourth until they're finally down on the ground, you know, because they haven't done their homework. They haven't done their due diligence. They're just excited and they have no strategy. And then they have a strategy and it's not a good strategy. And then they're out of business. That's what I have found. Yeah, it goes back to kind of what Mike Tyson used to say is everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. By him, especially. By him, especially, right. <laughs> um. People used to complain about him because he'd have this, this incredibly uh, promoted uh, event. And he'd go in there and 45 seconds later, the person, oh, yeah. person he was fighting was, was flat on his back. And they go like, wait a minute, I paid $100 to watch this. It only lasted for 40 seconds. I remember we got the Leon, Sp the Michael Spinks fight. This is back oh, in like 86 or 87. It was over in 91 seconds. <laughs> well, so, how, about the, how about the one where, that, where the guy, where Spinks won? What about that? And that, that was, a, nobody expected that. No, not Spinks. It was um, Buster Douglas. Buster Douglas, right. Buster Douglas, yeah. Right, that's right. That that was worth watching, yeah. Um, Get your money's worth. That's right. So you were talking about, interesting, it's like a, a good strategy or a bad strategy. And I was thinking about like the gyms, you know, we're talking about gyms not open or open or whatever. And sure. I was like, you know, it's interesting. It's like, there's gyms, there's some gyms that they say, okay, we're just going to open up a gym and we're just going to be for everybody. Let's say a 24 hour fitness or an LA fitness. But oh, then you have yeah. places <clears throat> where it's interesting. They actually purposely narrow down their target market. Um, and I think it's really helpful. So for example, like the first one that really did this, that I noticed this was gosh, 20 years ago was curves. Yeah. And they were, it was only because women didn't want to, didn't want to feel like they go to the gym. They're going to get ogled all the time. And so it was just for women. Yeah. Okay. So it was like, all right, we're going to open up a gym fat just for women. women. Fat women. Fair enough. Fair enough. But <laughs> then, on. then you had, well, then you had the, um, about what, five years ago, was it, was it planet, not planet fitness? Is it, uh, maybe it was planet fitness. Yeah. It was planet mm -hmm. fitness. They, their whole thing was, we don't care what you look like. You could be fat, ugly, in shape, whatever. Um, we'll sell you. You're, We'll sell you. No, but we, we want, don't care what you look like. <laughs> we want no, but it's like they were very specific about like <laughs> yes. they didn't. They wanted. They didn't like people who. They didn't want their gym filled with a bunch of people who looked like they were trying out for running triathlons, and so they became known as a gym for fat people. And that's been right. very straightforward. Which it, let's like, face it, that's the majority of the market out there. Right, but they actually right, <laughs> but they actually said this is who we are. Yeah. So like, if you come to our gym. 
any gym, that's probably what you're going to see for the most part. But this is a gym where we're telling you, this is what we want. Yeah. Like if you're in really good shape, we don't want you here. Right. Oh yeah. Unless now, you want to, a... uh, unless you want to be an instructor. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and, and you're not even sure maybe the out of shape people are the instructors who knows. Wow. But there's, you never know. <laughs> so, the, um... so you go there and there's some fat guy in a velvet jumpsuit. Okay. Smoking a cigar. He's like, yeah, a drink get, whiskey. Get, start doing some, He's got a, 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 a glass, a small sh- uh, uh, tumbler of whiskey in his hand. He goes, yeah, start doing those push-ups. Do those push-ups right now. Just do one. Do another one. Well, it was it's the code word, right? So like in high school, you know, whenever we had a team, the strength coach was never the guy is in shape. <laughs> no, I, I can remember uh, in high school, and I went to three different high schools, okay, did you have time? Um, three in one day? That's a lot. No, no. I had to go to three. I kicked, I had my, we, I, my dad was in the military. So I started in one high school in Sacramento, went to another high school in Riverside and then another high school in San Diego. And I don't remember, uh, I don't remember taking any, um, uh, what do you call it? Phys ed classes in, in, the, in, 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 in San Diego or in Riverside, I signed up for ROTC. So I purposely would not have to, 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 to do the phys ed classes, I could substitute ROTC and learn how to shoot a gun and kill people, which was, to me was preferable than running around a track. Um, but I do remember in Sacramento, uh, we had a, uh, a phys ed instructor. I thought, he was, I thought he was just, you know, the next candidate for a heart attack. <laughs> he was overweight. He, 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 he was, he, he was not in very good shape. And I don't know why, uh, I don't know why he was the instructor, but he was. And uh, I remember that, I remember distinctly uh, his idea of, uh, of having a, a, an exercise class was to play a song and called uh, Go You Chicken Fat, Go Away. And then and people would like, in the class would like sort of exercise to that, but you're right, you know. You're right that the educational system in this country really is terrible. Well, that really was what I was saying, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't—they're not entrepreneurs. They're just doing a job, okay? They're doing a right. thankless job. That I remember when I was teaching at um, Grossman College, I was teaching two classes: an Introduction to Computers and another time I taught a class on entrepreneurship. And uh, well, that was at a different college. That was Coleman College Entrepreneurship. But anyway, I was teaching class Introduction Computers. It was one of those general ed classes that people figured they would take. And I remember one time I was standing in front of the class and I was just looking at all the students. And uh, I think it was lab, computer lab, uh, which was part of it. And I had another instructor said, oh, staring at students today, huh? Which basically what it, I had, I had, I said, okay, look, you need to write this program in basic. You know, it's about 50, 20 lines of code, you know, That's input this. I know, I know, but it's basic beginners, all purpose, symbolic instruction code, oh my which gosh. by the way, uh, uh, was what uh, Bill Gates started with 
that eventually led him to being the richest man in the world. But anyway, so everyone, I'd say, okay, you guys work on that. And then uh, if you have a question, raise your hand. <laughs> and they, every once in a while, some of that hand would go up. People are sitting there trying to figure out how to do this 25 line code in basic. And so a hand would go up, I don't understand that. I go, well, what do you think? What do you think it means? <laughs> you know, so don't just raise your hand because you don't know the answer. Raise your hand because you can't figure out the answer. And that's what I'm telling the entrepreneurs out there. First of all, don't become a phys ed teacher. There's no money in it. Second all, second of all, or second all, whichever you prefer, um, ask the right questions. And don't ask a question that you're going to get an answer. Figure out what the process is to get the answer. That's the key. Because if you ask a question, you get an answer, you've answered one question. But if you understand the process you need to implement, to get answers, you're way ahead of the game. And that's how you find out what you don't know that you don't know, by having a process in place that to let you know what's important and that you can engage in that process to figure out what it is to execute what you need to execute to solve that problem so that you can move on to the next problem or create the, the, the system that handles the problems for you. In other words, if you just want to solve one problem, you shouldn't be an entrepreneur. entrepreneur. But if you want to create a system and a strategy and a methodology to solve problems of a certain kind, you're on the right track. What do you think about that, Matt? You look like you're very interested. I think it's, in yeah, something. no, I think it's, uh, no, I think, it, I think what you're saying is right. I think being an entrepreneur isn't this fairy dust thing where you're like, imagine this perfect life that I'm finally going to be happy with myself and, you know, going to be playing with you know, angels and rainbow covered, colored frogs. No, it's a, don't it's, forget it's, unicorns. Uh, we're no, we're going to, we're going to hunt all the unicorns down. <laughs> <laughs> unicorns that fart rainbows, my friend. That's, that's if you want to do that, you should go to burning man. That's all I'm saying. When burning true. man is happening again, not now. No, no, no. Burning man is, would be a great name for a, um, <laughs> it would be for Roman, like the, the place that sells ED medication, like, like anybody that helps you Did with like herpes, I, I thought they no, said... like herpes medication, like if they oh, sell burning yeah. man would be great. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> this is why we make the big bucks, Matt, because yeah. we come up with the ideas that nobody cares about. <laughs> no, I mean, we come up with the ideas that people should care about, should but care not about. yet, not right this minute, but they will. No, no. But but to answer, but it's a question of solving problems. It boils yes. down to this. You know, the first problem is should I be an entrepreneur? Yes or no. The next problem is what should I be an entrepreneur in? You answer that question. Then, who am I serving? What's my message? Who mm -hmm. are my competitors? Mm -hmm. How much should I charge? What should I make? What's my mm -hmm. value proposition? And mm -hmm. they're all questions you have to ask. And it's one. And if you, if you it's it's literally like a dog or a cat chasing its tail. It's like you're going to be doing this forever. Mm. and 
you know, if you're not the type who, who wants to continue doing this, who, who, you know, you're never going to catch, you're never going to, you know, you're never going to finish the race. It's like they say about golf. It's like, you never win. You're just always chasing yourself. You're always competing with yourself. You never win. There's, it, there's no end to the road. And Don't so you win when you get the ball in the hole? But no, then you got to go to another hole. <laughs> and then you have a handicap that you have to judge yourself against. And oh then there's my. a list of people that you judge yourself against. I predict that that sport will never get off the ground. It's never yeah. going to be successful. Exactly. Golf. And there's Forget never going to, and the, nobody's going to watch it on TV. Nobody's going to watch it. It'll never make a dime. Nope, never. But it's, it's one of these things where it's like, you're <laughs> going to, you're going to continue to do this over and over again. And even the most successful people in the world, you think, man, they would have just cashed out. They have an easy life. You look at the Elon Musk. It's like, no, the guy just starts, he figures out one. He doesn't maybe even figure out one. He's in the process of figuring out one. He starts another and then he starts another and he starts another. And you look at even the people that can't, that cash out, like you look at the people that were at Ballast Point. And for those who aren't in San Diego, it was the biggest brewer in San Diego, which is like the beer capital of the world. And the guy sold his business for a billion dollars, which is just- a billion. Well, to slightly F over a billion, I heard. Right. So, I mean, it's yeah, F. Billion it's and one dollar. Yeah. I mean, it's like you'd think <laughs> you could just go buy an island in the Caribbean and just and just camp out for the rest of your life. But what does this guy do? He, he becomes he a philanthropist. No. Well, he does, but he also started Cutwater Spirits. So he's right. like, because he had a non-compete for beer, but he didn't have a non-compete for alcohol. And and so I, I, have you ever been to their to, to their headquarters sure. and and yeah. oh, what a fantastic beautiful. beautiful. Oh, it, 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 if if I there wasn't a pandemic, I'd go there once a week. It's awesome. I mean, it's just, amazing. I've been but there with guy, the meetup groups. It's great. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. open floor, beautiful. open spacing. It's amazing. Mm, yes. Um, but it, but it's like this guy says, no, look, I'm passionate about solving problems, and so it's mm. always this this next thing up that we need to figure out that that challenges you mentally. Like the guy could easily just, you know, buy an island, go sit there and just deteriorate in so many ways, right? But he says, no, I, this is what I want to do. And the, the type of people that do this, I mean, they're not going to say, oh, I just turned 65 years old. I'm going to retire. Yeah. There's no retirement age. Right. You know, you look at people like that and they're always going to do it. I mean, if you fast forward 30 to 40 <laughs> years from now, Elon Musk is still going to be doing what he's doing. It's just, you know, he might be doing it from his base on Mars, who knows, but he's going to be, he's going to be continually doing that. And so once you have the business idea, okay, now you've actually taken your entrance ticket, your admission ticket into mm -hmm. the theater or into mm -hmm. the, into wherever it is. Now is when the game really begins. So getting the business idea is trying to figure out, okay, what restaurant are we going to order? What movie are we going to see? It's yeah. like now it's like, what game are we going to play? Mm -hmm. But really all the questions that we've asked is like, okay, now what do we do? Well, we're now we're actually trying to figure out, it's like one of those choose your own adventure books. It's like, we're going to go down a path and try to figure out which questions that we want to answer. Mm. So you want to open up a pizza place? All right. Well, how much do you know about pizza? Not much. Okay. Well, there's a whole bunch of stuff you need to learn before you start signing a lease and hiring. Amen. But maybe you do know a lot about it. Maybe your family had, you know, Venezia maybe you, pizza. Maybe you went to work in a pizza place that started with your great grandfather and you right. went to work bussing dishes in the pizza place when you were eight years old. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this. I, I have a friend of mine that has a wholesale jewelry business downtown in the jewelry exchange building. Mm -hmm. And and uh, I got my wife a, a 
you know, a, a gift from his, but it's like, you know, it's not like a, 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 um, a jewelry store where you walk in and everything's all nice and everything's in settings. You walk mm-hmm. in and the only thing that are there are the stones. Wow. So you pick out the stone and then he'll walk you through the settings. And then like, you don't get it there. You don't walk out with it. Like mm. you'll order it. And then like a week or two later, however, whatever the time frame is, then mm. he'll, he'll deliver it for you. Right. But what's interesting, I was sitting there in his office and my wife was like looking at all these different types of stones. And I was thinking, how do you go from zero to where he's at, where he probably has a couple well, million dollars in jewels? Sure. We probably oh. started with one stone, you know? Well, but like even with one stone, but like you have to like, I, I was wondering and I never asked him. I ne- I've known him. I've known him for almost 25 years and I've never sure. asked him this question. I'm like, mm. how do you get into that? Like you go from not knowing anything about jewelry. Was he, well, was he I'll like, tell you. was his dad a jeweler? Probably. Did he, does he, did he just always love it? Did he go to, probably go to school for 10 years for it? Probably. But you have all these things where it's like he, whatever the answers are, you're right. Right. Whatever the answers are. The whole point is he went there from going, wouldn't it be cool if, you mm-hmm. know, I worked with jewels, right? Yeah, jewelry. To being such an expert, to a you know, master cutter. I mean, mm-hmm. just like, like I can, I can look at 10 different jewels that look like they're the same color. And he can immediately tell that one's this stone, one's this stone, one's this stone, one's, I don't know how he sure. does it. And the quality. And the quality, but just the expertise. And he's like, he was showing me, he's like, yeah, he goes, I sell, he's the wholesaler for Leo Hamill. Oh, he's the wholesaler for Leo Hamill? Yeah, like every, you wow. go in there and they have all these nice things. They're his stones. Wow. So he's so like did, the vertical to Leo Hamill. Among others, probably, but he just wow. said it offhand. But anyway, Shoot. as you were going through a catalog. And yeah. so the whole point is that like, here's somebody that you think, how did he get to this place where he's just mm-hmm. like expertise is high, inventory is high, relationships are amazing. Yeah. Um, reputation's amazing. Yeah. But he started at a point where he didn't know anything, had no contacts, had mm-hmm. no expertise, mm-hmm. but you know what it was? He had a passion for it. And this is, he said, this is the, this is the path that I want to choose to just dive into. Sure. And he just went deep and deep and deep and kept answering questions and figuring out the answers to problems. And next thing you know, 30 to 40 years later, he's <laughs> like, where he's at. And so for the person who's starting out right now is like, I don't know how I'm ever going to get to that point. Well, you're right. You don't know. That's right. But it all starts with answering the question of like, not, I don't need to figure out what are the next 50 questions or how do I get to where this guy is, but what's my next question? And, and do you have the passion to say, I want to be doing this 10 years from now. Like, I don't care if I make a millions of dollars or just pay the mm. rent. This is what I want to do. Right. So do, do you want to open up a restaurant? Do you want to open up a pub? Do you mm-hmm. want to, you know, do you want to be a CPA? Do you want to yeah. be a guitar teacher? Yeah. You know, you look, I was, I was, <clears> it's <throat> funny. I got, I went down this little hole this past weekend on the Cranberries, one of my favorite bands from the nineties. And I just, I never really paid attention to like them as a band or what they did or whatever. And I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't find out until like a week ago that uh, Dolores Reardon, who's the lead singer of the Cranberries died last year. Oh oh, yeah. Yeah. I knew that. I didn't know that. I don't pay attention to everything. So, but anyway, it was just interesting. (laughs) So they talked to her, they they were talking about um, to Neil Hogan, who's one of the main guys in the band. And they asked, Mm -hmm. they were talking about her tryout, her audition for the band. Mm -hmm. And so they're in Limerick and they didn't have a lead singer and say so they were auditioning and she walks in and he said she walked he walked she walked in with a with a um 
a broken Casio keyboard. And they said the minute she opened up her mouth, they all looked at each other and went, how is she not in a band already? Right. But it's interesting that as much as they were like, wow, this is the one we want to hire. They asked her what her thoughts about it was. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I realized we had all these guys. We shared love of indie music and punk music and new wave music. And he goes, these guys needed a singer, but what they needed more was direction. And here it is. I heard that. And I'm like, you know, what it was really interesting is like, this isn't somebody who just wants to be a singer. This person is a, somebody who knows what they want to do with their talent. Mm-hmm. And, and the cranberries was just a venue for her to jump head headlong into it. Right. And they just, I mean, that's what she wanted to do. And so yeah. it was interesting. I was, I was reading about the background of that song um, Ode to my family which is like mm. one of their big singles. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is they, she wrote that in the U S on their first U S tour. And she was missing her family back in Ireland. And she goes, I can't believe I'm even here. This is really weird that mm. I'm here in a band. We're touring in America. She goes, that was never my intent. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to jam with these guys and make music. Right. She didn't know they were going to take off. Right. But it was like, that's where the, that's where the, I think the genius came in and she didn't care about that. She just loved what she did and she dove headlong into it Yeah, and had a passion for it. And so if you're going to open up a business, that's like, that's kind of what you want to do. If you don't have a passion and if you're, if you're caring more about what you make or a what ifs or your plan B's, you're probably in the wrong business. But if you say, mm. this is what I totally want to do. It's what I love. Okay. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And it's just, I'm going to help people in delivering products or service or, or, yeah. or an experience to somebody based on what I love to do. And I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Then you're probably in the right place. Okay. Um, first of all, uh, first of all, I think there could be an argument <clears throat> that you're absolutely in the wrong place. And I'll tell you why. I, you like I do argue, think you it's like being argumentative today. Uh, well, I'm not really, not really. I, I, I'm not, I'm arguing with you that I'm not being argumentative. So <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's that. <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. I do think having a passion and loving what you do is important. Don't get me wrong. I think it is very, very important. However, for you entrepreneurs out there that are listening and you love a certain thing, okay, I want you to keep in mind that 90% of what you're going to do when you have a business isn't going to be that, okay? And 90% of what you're going to do when you have a business isn't going to be fun. It isn't going to be creative. It isn't going to make money. It is going to be drudgery. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. And until you can pay somebody else to do it, which will be your dream every day when you wake up in the morning, if I could just pay somebody else to do the shit that I don't want to do in this business and you have enough money to do that, and then you do, and you start hiring your first, your second, your third, your fourth employee, your fifth, more salespeople, more accounting, more finance people, more, uh, whatever uh, people to c- clean the office, whatever it is. Until you do that, you're going to have to wear all those hats and you're not going to like it. And I'll give you an example. One of the best things that ever I ever learned in college, um, other than, you know, hitting the books. And I always enjoyed studying all these different parts of business, even if it was accounting, even if it was economics or business law, whatever it was, I would love it when entre- business they would invite business people to come in and talk to the class, 
okay? And that's one reason I went to National University for my MBA and not San Diego State, because the people there that were the professors were actually people who did something. They weren't professional professors. They actually were in business, either executive or entrepreneur or whatever. Here's a story that someone told me, and it's worth repeating, and I'll just narrow it down to the essence. Guy came in, had started multiple businesses. He's what they would typically call now a serial entrepreneur. And one of the first businesses he started was he was one day cleaning his bathroom. And he said, I hate, I hate doing this. I don't like cleaning my bathroom. You know, it'd be a great business to start with a business that cleans people's bathrooms because nobody wants to do that. Do you want to clean up your bathroom? No. And I mean, you know, from top to bottom? No, you don't want to do that. You would rather hire somebody to do that. So he started a business, a cleaning business. Well, after he started cleaning business, it started to get going. And pretty soon he had customers calling him. I need you to come clean my bathroom. I need you to come clean uh, my living room, whatever, my house. Well, what he found out was that there was a demand for it but he needed to hire people to do it. And very often the type of people that cleaned bathrooms for a living were getting minimum wage. They were undependable. A lot of times they were on drugs. <laughs> just kidding. I don't know. But let's just say they're, they're not, you know, people he would normally hang out with as an executive because um, he gave up a high paying corporate job to start this thing. And one day, he had called somebody to go take care of a customer and they didn't show up. So he went there and the irony was unbelievable. He was there scrubbing and cleaning a bathroom for minimum wage in somebody else's house. And he woke up and he said, you know what? I don't think this is the business I want to be in. Right. So what I'm saying is this, you might have a passion for something, Keep in mind, first of all, you're going to wear a lot of different hats and you're not going to know a lot about what you need to know when you're wearing those different hats. You may know how to make pizzas, but you don't know how to do double entry bookkeeping. OK, so be prepared for that. Number, oh, you don't know banking. You don't know how to get a loan. You don't know how to how to negotiate a mortgage, uh, a mortgage, uh, a lease for your for your brick and mortar business. Or you don't know enough about computers or you don't know enough about marketing. You're not going to know enough about a lot of things, but you're still going to be able to you're going to be able to do those things. And you might not, might not be able to hire people to to do it because you don't have the resources. So you're going to have to go up those learning curves. And this is typically why entrepreneurs burn out. Okay. Well, I think, I think and you're, you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to enjoy it. And, and you're not going to be able to hire somebody else to do it. And even if you do hire them, you're going to need to know enough to hire the right people. So all of these things, your wheels are going to be spinning. Your wheels are going to be spinning. So what I'm saying is this, it isn't just enough to have a passion. It isn't just enough to want to be able to make jewelry or make a great pizza or, uh, uh, you know, uh, make a great martini or whatever, okay? It isn't enough. You're going to be doing a lot of things that you don't know how to do. You're not very good at doing them. You don't have the money to pay other people to do. And even if you had the money to pay, pay other people to do, you can't really find good people to do it. So all of those things are going to be challenges that you're going to have to face as, as an entrepreneur.
And I, and I and I would agree. I would say two things. One is that when you say it isn't enough, you're totally right. I, I would never argue with you on that for sure, because you could you could love making pizza, love watching people enjoy your pizza, just everything, uh, whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're gonna have to figure out how to do time cards and manage people and and uh pass health inspections and do all the stuff you don't like to do for sure it's it's Mm -hmm. not enough to do that but you know there's always other people that are well suited for that and you could always find those those are problems you'll solve along the way but i Mm -hmm. think the basic root problem before you get there and and to use your plumbing example i think illustrate it really well is let's say that all your people called out sick or whatever it is and you had to go do the drain cleanings yourself now, if you're doing those drain cleanings yourself and you're saying, this sucks, I hate doing it. Well, you're kind of illustrating my point is you don't have a passion for it. You like running a plumbing company. You just don't like doing plumbing. Yeah. But if you're somebody who says, oh, man, I love it. I can't wait to do this. Like, Who loves to do plumbing? And, who loves how to many... unplug, un, un, unplug dirty, filthy drains? Who likes to crawl underneath sinks? Oh, I met people like, I grew up with people like that for sure. They, they love to do that? They yes, love to do that? Yes, it's really weird. They're weird people. <laughs> I'm not going to defend them, but they're out there. I've met them. It's really <laughs> okay. weird. Okay. You, you ever watch Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe? Yes, they're out, absolutely. They're out there. They're people. There was a guy that literally had, a, as Mike Rowe called it, a lake of poo. And yes. he made methane, right? Yes. And he had a lake of poo. He loved doing it. They well, loved it, which was that's what really they tell the weird. camera. But do I'm they just really, you, you're do they not really gonna, like to get up at 4 a.m. to go unclog a big drain of poo? Are you really going to go on camera and tell the whole world that you love poo? Period? <laughs> Especially if you don't, you're definitely not going to tell them that. But my whole point is that, like, if you if you have the people and the might, uh, who was it? The guy that wrote the E. Smith, Michael Gerber. Gerber. That's right. Not you the know, guy who started the baby food company. Yeah. And we're, we're talking about, as he referred to them as technicians, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. So if you're a technician, it's not enough. And that, and he talks about in the book for sure. But if you have something where you just have this insatiable passion. Sure. And that's You've got all a website you want. Etsy probably. And so all you want to do, like you grew up and you said like, and this is one I really don't understand is somebody that grows up and says, I really want to be an insurance agent. Like, I don't get that at all. But there are people that like, I have a friend really? of mine and their, and their dad owned an agency and that's all they wanted to do. Mm. You know, my dad owned an insurance contracting business. So like if you filed a home insurance claim, they called my dad up and he basically, you know, made sure the work got done. So we subbed out all the work or whatever. Mm. And he offered that to me to take over his business when I was like, I want to say 22 or yeah, 22 mm. and or 23, maybe 24, something around there. And I just mm. said, no, I didn't want to do it. I didn't like the business. I didn't know much <laughs> about it. I didn't care about it. And I told him no, and he retired. But the whole point is if, if I have something I just love doing, like this is yeah. all I want to do. I'm yeah. like, I may not open up a business, but if you catch me at home, this is all I'm doing anyway. Mm. Right. Then, you know, Maybe that's a business for you. Now, it doesn't it's mean a it's a, no, and that's my point. It doesn't mean that you're going to be successful. Yeah. But like Steve, or like if you look at Steve Wozniak, all he did was solder hardware, hard, solder boards, right? Total hardware geek. Total hardware geek. And if you but look at But he loved Sco- the challenge of it. 
Right. And he's kind of the guy that I imagine if you watch that show, Halt and Catch Fire, he was Scoot McNeary's character. I watched it. He didn't care. He's just going to do it. It's what he loves doing. Mm. Right. And he's going to do it whether you pay him or not, whether you have a business or not. He's just going to do it either way. Yeah. Maybe for a big corporation or. And what I'm saying is that is that's something where you need if you're if you have this huge obsession with a particular area. Mm hmm. And it's going to drive you to figure, you know, to be better at it. And because yeah. you know, you're putting more hours into it, you're going to the outliers, that 10,000 hours thing. You're mm. going to be spending more time trying to develop yourself. Doesn't mean you're going to be as good as anybody, but you're putting in the effort to give yourself a good shot to do it. Then awesome. what I'm saying is that this is an area that you definitely should explore as a business. Right. Does it mean you're going to be successful? No, maybe you're just a total jerk. And you open up the business and you know everything about pizza, but you sexually harass all your employees. So well, in other words, you no people skills. No people skills. No then maybe, EQ. Then maybe you should be the limited partner in the business and yeah. let somebody run the restaurant, right? right? But Or maybe you should be the cook in the background that nobody wants to talk to. Mm. But the whole point is it's that's your entry point. And if you're looking right. for something, there's a passion. And not everybody has it. But no. if, 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 if all you say is, look, I'm, I'm sitting here at home playing my guitar for seven hours a day anyway, mm-hmm. right? And I just love playing the guitar. It's all I want to do. <clears throat> I, I'm living in a, in a 400 square foot studio apartment in Ocean Beach. And all I'm doing is playing guitar all day. Well, then maybe yeah. giving guitar lessons is not a bad idea as a business because it's something you're going to do anyway. And it's something Here's you're the really thing. good at. Here's the thing. Does I, it mean I, that it's going to be successful? Yes or yeah. no? I don't know. Right. But it, for sure, if you're trying to narrow down the ideas for where you want to start diving in, yeah, that is a A-plus candidate to look at. Well, I, I, I might. I, I, I think you're... You, I think what you have to say has merit, but here's the thing. Here's been my personal experience. The quickest way to kill a passion is to turn it into a business. I have That is true. I have a friend who I call him the Q master. He was the guy I helped sell his dot com, okay? And he does nobody nobody can do barbecue like this guy. And I mean old traditional method barbecue right nobody and he's also a great cook learned it from his mom um and he was a bachelor all his life been married three times divorced three times but that's another story um he same age as me by the way um a total techno geek by the way which is why he got into the into the dot-com business so to speak but he combined the dot-com business with what he loved so he ended up with a company called beefjerky.com but I asked him, I said, man, you've sold beefjerky.com. Why don't you just, why don't you become like one of these famous chefs and do a podcast and go on YouTube and promote yourself? He said, because I love doing this because I like to do it. I'm not, don't want to turn it into a business because then I'll hate it. Okay. So I'm just saying this, there are many, many people out there that have a passion for something, but should not turn it into a business. A business should be about making money by providing a service to a consumer or client that is sustainable, scalable, that makes money. And eventually, like Gerber advised, you can walk away from the business and it runs on its own. Okay, you provided the vision for it and the startup and the energy and the money and the capital or whatever, the resources, and it runs on its own. 
And most entrepreneurs who have anything successful in terms of a business that maybe started off with something that they know about or they're passionate about, at some point they go, you know, damn it, every day I come in, I'm just looking at reports. Every day I come in and I'm just dealing with personnel problems. This has nothing to do about launching rockets to Mars. This has nothing to do with building a better car. This has nothing to do with what I love. Uh, uh, you know, playing the guitar, whatever it is, it's just a business and all businesses run the same at some point. And I don't want to be a manager. So what I'm going to do is sell this thing and go do what I really like to do, uh, which is create the business, which is challenge myself, which is figure out what I don't know that I don't know. And that's what's exciting to entrepreneurs building the business, taking an idea and turning it into reality. So I just want the entrepreneurs that are out there listening to this podcast, it's a bit of a catch-22, my friends. You get the idea, or maybe it's something that you're good at, or something your family's been doing for five generations. I don't care. You, whatever motivates you, you get into it, realize that at some point you need an exit strategy, Okay. Let's assume you're, let's presume that the business grows. Let's presume it becomes successful. Let's presume that five years from now, instead of two employees, you have 50. Okay, but be prepared that at some point you're going to be a manager, okay? And you're going to be looking at reports and you're going to be, look, you're going to be telling other people to solve problems and allowing them to do that. And it's not going to be a creative endeavor anymore, okay? Me, and what you need to be careful is at that point, you don't change the business into something else because it's not satisfying you. You don't turn it into a different business because you want the challenge. Sell that business or put somebody else in charge of it and go do the passionate thing, the creative thing, the challenging thing, the thing that provides you with your personal growth or whatever uh, that you want to do. Don't take that business that's reasonably successful and turn it into a failure. Okay. That's all I'm saying. We're starting off a new year here. At this point, everybody has 2020 hindsight. <laughs> Everyone does. Okay. If you're alive, you have 2020 hindsight because 2020 is over. We are looking at it from a different perspective now. So ask yourself, where do you want to be at the end of this year? Not what did you do wrong last year? Or why did last year suck? Or why was last year a dumpster fire? You know, don't ask yourself those questions. Don't, don't get mired in that. Start thinking about the future and the vision of what you want to create. And I would invite the people out there to reach out to us. We would love to help you. We would love to hear what your problems are. We would love to hear the ideas that you have for a business. Contact us. Um, however, if you want to look at our uh, podcast and you see my email, do not send me spam or scams. I'm starting to get some of those. <laughs> Just send me something interesting, okay? Don't waste my time and don't try to con me the one that just popped up on my screen now is says, hello, my name is Susie Buckley. I sent you a, a proposal. Can you please check your email and spam folder? Thanks, Susie Buckley. Of course, 
the, the email is actually from a Teresa Heath at gmail.com. And it's a Google form and it says, click, fill out this form. Do you think I'm going to do that? That is immediately going into the spam folder if it hasn't already. Okay, folks. Um, so I don't know. What do you think, Matt? Well, so you're saying that the Google form that I got from somebody yesterday that I filled out was probably a bad idea. <laughs> I'm saying do not. In fact, what I usually do is I hover the mouse on there and I look what it says and it actually is a Google form. Now, why would I fill it out? I don't know. Who is Susan Buckley? I don't know. Why is she uh, emailing me from somebody else's Gmail account? I do not know. Why she doesn't address me by my first name? I do not know. Folks, entrepreneurs out there, let, let me just give you a couple more words of wisdom. And then, I don't know, Matt and I might wrap this up here pretty soon. I know we love to talk, but I had one of my first clients that I helped as a, as a coach, as a business coach, was a coach. I ended up being the coach's coach. I ended up being a coach who helped coaches because I was once a coach and I found out that I didn't really want to be a life coach or a health coach or any kind of coach like that. I wanted to help coaches and I got the experience of doing that. And he, one of the first complaints he had was I, I told the world I wanted to be a coach. Now everybody is trying to reach into my wallet. <laughs> so I want to tell you entrepreneur people out there, if you got an idea for a business, the minute you announce you have an idea for a business, here's what you can expect. Every training company, every salesperson, everybody who thought they could sell you something from uh, uh, from notebook computers to, uh, you know, uh, janitorial services is going to be contacting you. And a lot of people that are going to be contacting you are going to say, hey, your, um, what do they call it? Your, your Google, your Google this or your Facebook that or whatever. You need our help. We're in, they're scammers. Okay. They're all, 90% of them are scammers. If you need something, do your due diligence, go out there and ignore everybody that contacts you. What I usually do, what I learned to do is if somebody contacts me about selling me something, I sell them something. <laughs> so if they contact me and say, hey, we want to sell you XYZ and here's the email that we sent you. Um, we want you to buy our services or product. I immediately say something back like, your marketing sucks. You really need a marketing strategist and a business coach. How can I help you? <laughs> Let me help you. <laughs> Usually that's enough for them to go away and or they become a potential client. So that's what I would invent. You know, I've got to give, I've got to say it. This is the beginning of the year. And I've got to tell you people out there that are entrepreneurs listening to this podcast, Go for it, man. Do Like Matt says, if you have a passion, maybe that's the thing you want to focus on. But maybe it's not the thing you want to focus on. But find out. Take some action. Don't just dream about it. Do it. Yeah, and I think that's, that's my point is I'm not trying to answer somebody's question. If somebody says, hey, Matt, I have a, I have a, 
I really love cleaning drains, right? I love plumbing. <laughs> then should I become a plumber? Well, or should I start a plumbing company? I'm not telling you yes or no. If you want to be a plumber, be a plumber. Like that's what you mm. love doing, do it. Mm. But what I'm saying is like, let's start narrowing down possibilities. If all you're doing is playing guitar all day, should you become a CPA? I don't know, probably not. Right. If you, if you, if you're the computer geek who loves figuring out, like I have a friend of mine, he's, I've known him for like, oh gosh, 15 years. And mm. he just, he's the guy who our tech department would send their phone their, They literally would send their phones to fix because he could fix them better than they could send them off to the manufacturer. Mm. Like he could debug them. He was just, it was his passion. He didn't get paid for it. He just did it because right. he loved doing it. Right. Sure. Like Bill and Gates like, used to be. Yeah, a super technician. I mean, that's that's the whole point. Yeah. So should you open a business doing that? I'm not going to tell you yes or no, but I'm telling you, like, you can, you can, that's a really good one to dig deeper into. Like, then the next question is, you know, are you able to manage people? Are you, you know, are you willing to learn how to manage an organization, a company, mm -hmm. how to manage mm -hmm. numbers, learn what it needs to be done to, to run a business? Now, if the answer is no to that, then, you know, well, I think you've kind of severely limited your options at that point, right? Right. Right. But if, if the answer is yes, then it's like, all right, now, like, we don't have a green light to go, but it's kind of in between a green light and a yellow light. Like, you definitely, you should continue pursuing and answering questions and trying to figure out if this is the path to go. But it's certainly a promising start. Yeah. And so as we go into 2021, the question is, especially after the year that we had, it's not, you don't have to have all the answers in January. You just don't, but no. ask yourself, what do you want to do? Like, it, like obviously everything, everybody's life's been turned um, on edge. So my next door neighbor has a, had a catering company. He doesn't anymore. I don't know what his plans are for 2021. Mm. Um, you know, maybe you worked as an employee for a company who got shut down and they never thought it was going to last that long. And you don't know what you're going to do. This is a perfect mm. time to start planning you know, what you want to do? Do you want to go back to school? Do you want to move to a different state? Is it too expensive where you're at? Um, maybe you're actually doing pretty well and you want to move to like, you're in the middle of Iowa and you want to move to California or Florida. You want to move to a nicer place to live. Mm -hmm. um, this is a chance to do that. And, you know, if 2020 has taught us anything is that anything that we think could never happen just did. The impossible. <laughs> Yeah. And so if they're on the other side, if there's anything that you always thought, oh, there's no way I could ever do this, this might be the possibility to do that. And so, you know, mm -hmm. maybe if you're the person that said, you know, I, I always wanted to be an, like my friend Phil, who said, I asked him if you want to start a business. He goes, no, I just like being an employee of clocking, clocking out. Yes. I haven't talked to him about this. Maybe this him. year, maybe this year has made him rethink that where all of a sudden mm -hmm. it's like, man, if your business gets shut down and you're forced not to be able to work, maybe that thing that you thought of as a predictable safety net was really spikes, <laughs> really a bunch of pikes that you landed on. And maybe now there's no safe landing spot. So you need to really look and reevaluate what you thought were known quantities. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, but, but more than anything, going back to what we said, you know, you have a valuable, you have a viable business idea. Now what, now it's just about, you know, trying to pick a path where you're going to be answering questions down that path. So you mm -hmm. want to be a guitar teacher. Great. Are you good at guitar? Yes. Uh, do you have, um, are you willing to approach it like a business? Yes. No. And you're kind of doing your choose your own adventure path. 
Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's like, do you want to open up a restaurant? Okay, one question. You know that 90 plus percent of restaurants go out of business within six months. Yeah. Are you willing to open it in spite of that? Yes, yeah. no, whatever. And so you're kind of following your, you remember that that game Plinko on the Price is Right? Yes. Where you don't know where it's going to go. You just Absolutely. drop it down and you hope right. it ends up in a good spot. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what open, that's kind of what you're doing when you're starting a business. And so the idea is which little slot am I going to drop the Plinko chip down? Mm. And, and really that's kind of the process that you're going down and you're answering questions. And the more answers that you're getting yes in a row are great, but you might get a no and you might get an, I don't know, like, mm. am I good managing people? Well, I don't know. Okay. The next question is, if you get one of those is, are you willing to learn? Are you willing right. to take the time, however long it might be to get better at it? And if the answer is, as long as the answer is a yes, you know, after a no or, or an I don't know, you're good. But if once you start getting multiple no's in a row, mm-hmm. then maybe that's a sign that you shouldn't do it. So yeah. it's like, okay, I'm a great guitar teacher. Are you willing to approach, are you willing to approach it like a business? Well, I don't know. Um, are you good with people? No. <laughs> yeah. Are you and good managing money? No. Honestly, if you started getting a whole bunch of no's in a row, then maybe yeah. that's that. But are you willing to get better? And once you get to the point where you say, are you willing to get better or learn? And yeah. you say no, that's kind of where that process should stop for you. Because now right. you just, you, you've said, you've identified your end. Right. That's a good, you know, those are all good points, Matt. And, and I always like to say in summation, you know, um, First of all, not everybody is cut out to be an entrepreneur, all right? If you get this feeling like you want to be an entrepreneur, maybe you, maybe you should be an entrepreneur. But the first thing you should think about is, who am I? What makes me tick? How do I do things? How do I learn? How do I solve problems? How do I work well with, do I work well with others? These are the kinds of questions you ask yourself, because even if you want to be an entrepreneur, you may not be cut out to be an entrepreneur. You may not be the kind of person that should be an entrepreneur. You may be the kind of person that just should go to work for the civil service or the government or the post office. Okay. Um, And that's not a bad thing. We need postal employees. We need people that work for big corporations. We need people that do accounting. We need people that work all day putting widget A with, with together with widget B. We need those people. But that's not who this podcast is for. This podcast is for people who want to be entrepreneurs, are entrepreneurs, and want to be better entrepreneurs. That's what this podcast is for. And that's what we're here to help you do. And we're helping you do that because we've been there. We've had our own businesses or have our own businesses. And we enjoy helping other people who want to be entrepreneurs or want to be better entrepreneurs. We enjoy doing it. We enjoy doing that. So that's why we're doing this. Um, All I would like to say in summation is, I think a great name for a business is, um, like you know, incorporated. Because many, many people (laughs) say that a lot. (laughs) Um, Like, you know, I think that would be a good name for a corporation. I'm throwing it out there to our audience. One of you guys can pick up on that and, uh, and maybe uh, get that incorporated. And if you do, you have to name it some tech type name. And for you, Al, I already have the name. It's called Clicker. Um, 
maybe clicker could be good i think clicker is a great name for a company uh i'm not sure exactly what they provide except maybe yeah clicking clickers i don't know man but does it have to be clickers i mean think of all the twitter like twitter has a bird like what does that mean like yeah you just it could be anything romans like <laughs> it's not about roman anything and they sell viagra like i don't know yeah. what that's about i don't know it could be misinterpreted in many different ways but yeah. uh <clears throat> but with that being said I think there's, that's fair enough um click so with that being said um we've, we've basically kind of given people a roadmap of where to go so we're here not to answer questions or tell people not to, we're not here to say you should open up this business or you should not open up this business. But right. as people who've had successful businesses, have successful businesses, you understand that the process isn't isn't a, a unitary answer, but it's right. trying to figure out the right questions to ask. Asking the and right if, questions is the key. And if you start answering and you want to ask the tough questions because nobody's going to ask them. So you brought up a great thing and I liked you challenging me on it and saying like, if you have a passion for something, maybe that's the last place you should have because it might kill your passion. Right. You know, when I was in my twenties, I worked in a cookie store and, and to this day, chocolate chip cookies just are not appetizing <laughs> to me at all very much because I'm just done with that batter. Oh my God. I imagine right? when you first started working there, you were thinking, Ooh, chocolate oh, chocolate chip Oh, this cookie. is going to be great. And now oh. it's like the smell of chocolate chip cookies <laughs> just makes me sick to this you day. Hit the na- ham- you hit the nail right on the head. That's exactly the point I was trying to make. And the point is, and that's part of it, is you want to ask the tough questions, you know, not the dreamer question, but the tough questions. Like, Maybe one of them is, what are you willing to do to make sure that your passion doesn't become something you hate? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a guy on TV who was talking about during the lockdown. He said, when, he came, when they shut down the studio mm-hmm. and he had to work from home, he, he would finish up his show. And normally what he would do is he'd go from the studio and go to, he lives in LA, go to Manhattan Beach, go play tennis for a few hours, hang out with his buddies, come home at like four and you know, be around for the rest of the day. Well, nice. he was done with the show at 12, <laughs> walked in the house, because I guess he films in the back or whatever. And he goes, hey, honey, you know, what do you wanna do for lunch? And she goes, I, I, he goes, I married you for good, for better, for worse, but not for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you need to go do something else. Yeah. yeah. So the whole point is like, you don't wanna take that love that you have in your heart and turn it into something that you just hate. Like right. I, I, man, I love owning a plumbing company, but maybe you love opening a plumbing company because you, you know a lot about it and your dad did it and you've always run it. Right. Sure. But you've never been the plumber. Mm. And now when everybody comes out, it's like, I hate it. I right. hate it. Right. So, so you want to ask the questions, what are you willing to do to make sure that that never happens? Right. And you need to ask these tough questions over and over again. If you're not asking them, what's going to happen is the market's going to answer them for you and you're going to go out of business. Mm-hmm. But if you yeah, start asking keep... the tough questions first, yes. like, am I willing to learn about this? Am I willing to wait? How mm-hmm. long, how much am I willing to educate myself on this? You know, you know, am I willing to like, we, we didn't talk about like, you know, can I bootstrap it? Can I, you know, do I need a partner? Do I need mm-hmm. VC funding? Yes. Like, you know, am I willing to intern at a place? Maybe you want to be a plumber. Maybe you want to open up your plumbing company, but you've never done it. Are you willing to work as a plumber for four months to understand the, how it works? Get the work experience. Do it. If you're going to make, if you want to open up a pizza restaurant, 
work in a pizza restaurant, maybe right. after a year or two years of three years or five years of working from busboy to manager in a pizza restaurant, you'll decide that's not for me. I, I don't right. like pizzas that much. Or you might decide 90% of what I'm doing has nothing to do with pizzas. I don't like it. It's not fun. I don't want to wear 18 hats. I just want right. to do this one thing. So if you love to play the guitar, maybe you're not the best person to teach guitar. Well, you know? and Michael Gerber talks about it in the E-Myth. He, he mm -hmm. says like people go from technician to manager and they hate the managing part. Yeah. And now this one business they have is just a <laughs> giant weight around their neck. It's their worst nightmare. Yeah. So, but that's part of it too, is like, be willing to interview people, maybe even say like, look, you did this. What were the hardest things you did? What did you hate? What were the roadblocks mm -hmm. and figure out what it is. And then, and, and, and not have a commitment that you're going to open this yet. Yeah. And figure out what you want to do. Cause you might find out that's like, okay, I really want to open up a restaurant, but then you mm -hmm. find out that like, oh my gosh. And let's say we're advancing five years in the future. Well, sure. I remember COVID. I would never want to open up a restaurant again, knowing that COVID could hit at any time. Oh, or a COVID derivative now because yeah. it's or mutated. Maybe, right. Or, but I'm saying is like just that weird <laughs> black swan event to happen yeah. that you never thought yeah. would happen. Right. Right. Or maybe you just, you know, you, you have to deal with the health department coming in all the oh time. Oh my God. Or, yes. you know, like if let's say that you wanted to open up, um, you know, a real estate company or whatever mm -hmm. it is. It's like mm -hmm. all the regulatory headaches you have to deal with. It's like, it's not even worth it anymore. But yeah. but I think part of it is willing to ask yourself the tough questions that the most skeptical person in the world who doesn't think you can do it, these are the questions you need to answer. Yes. And if you barrage yourself with these and you still come out unscathed, now you can advance to phase two. Does it mean you open yet? No. Mm -hmm but it means you need to address all these questions. And if you get all the way and you run the yeah. gauntlet and you run out of questions and you've really like, all right, I'm willing to do it. I have money. I have partners. I have expertise. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to learn. I'm not good at this, but I'm willing to learn. I'm throwing out my ego. Um, and, and you're still standing. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go. Right on. Right. So, and, and I would also one caution to our, to our listeners. And I think in summation of my summation, I would say one caution is if you've got a, uh, you've started your entrepreneurial venture and you're bombarded by people who have simple, easy, quick, expensive, or moderately expensive solutions that don't require any effort on your part, ignore them. No matter how many times they send you an email, no matter how many times they send you a proposal, no matter how many times they send you something and it says, click to fill out this form, ignore them because they are not the answer. So you need to know as much what not to do as what to do. And that's why you should keep listening to this podcast. Yeah. And if you get any email from Nigeria or from the, <laughs> or from the European um, lottery, then I would say... <laughs> That's probably not how you're going to fund your business. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Perfect ending. So with that yes. being said, my name is Matt. And I am Al. And we will see you guys next week. Appreciate you having yeah. guys around. And looking forward to spending more time this year uh, doing the podcast and helping you guys and gals. Yeah. And Bye. Yep. If, yep. See you later. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on the Halcyon Horn podcast. You've just taken the crucial step to finally take control of where your life is going. 
by joining us on the road to entrepreneurship. The path to your new amazing destiny has only just begun. You're already ahead of 99% of the people around you because you're finally taking control of your life and making the choice to claim your new destiny. We'd love to help you in any way we can along your journey. So take a minute to reach out to us. You'll find our contact information in the show notes. And while you're there, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified as soon as the newest episode drops. And if you haven't yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, what are you waiting for? Don't wait. Do it now. Can't wait to meet up for our next episode, and we'll see you soon. 